pain. I've made a huge mistake. I'm running this monkey for now, Frankenstein! I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Faravelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. My fate is up to you. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's time once again for Top 100. It's Top 100 movie scenes this time. Uh, we got a great panel. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. These guys put in a lot of work, and um, it's probably not going to pay off. Um, start, let, let's introduce our panel. Let's start it off. You know him as a participant in top 100 performances. Mr. Jack Pinchuk coming back. Jack, they can say whatever they want about you, but they can't say you don't love coming on my list and talking about movies. After the absolute That's... beating you took at the hands of Cody and the panel and the chat and the community at large, like a champ, you stand <laughs> right back up and say, thank you, sir. May I have another? My question for you, Jack, are you going to turn things around? Are scenes going to go better for you than performances did? I mean, it can only go up, right? Uh, all, all I'll say is this. If Cody wasn't already wildly confused about me and my taste in movies, my opinion on movies, He's gonna he's gonna have a hard time wrapping his head around some of these picks, but uh, I think I'm, I'm my goal is to confuse Cody this uh, this series, and I think I'll be be able to do that just fine. All right, looking forward to it. Palace number two, winner of Top 100 Movies Volume Number Three, Mr. Cody Newberry, graciously giving up the seat for me for the rest of the season. I appreciate that, Cody. Some people say there might be a little bit of collusion between the two of us. I just think we both, for the most part, have pretty good taste in movies. Uh, but we're not talking about movies. We're talking about scenes. Completely different ballgame. What are your predictions for the next three months? Three months, I'd kill myself. Um, is that three? Are we three? Uh, it's two and a half. Okay, anyways. Um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Okay, so there's multiple things. Unless Jack watched like a hundred years of like cinema overnight and never watched the Lord of the Rings movie, sure, he could see. He could also have Googled like the top 100 scenes and not like so he doesn't seem like a complete buffoon. Um, I doubt that will happen. Um, and even if he does, he'll be half asleep for most of the episodes. Second, I have Jake here. Jake has. Jake is going to do Jake and he will have a lot of fun. And I know Scott, um, your guys' movies taste. You like some, but you don't like consist like consistent. So he's in a, for a rough time. I have a shot to win again. I don't care to win. I held myself to a very strict standard of like, I didn't want to talk about things I've talked about over, over and over and over again on these shows. I've done over 160 episodes of these. Um, I limited to the amount of scenes per movie that I could do. So there's a lot of thing. And by the way, I know that now clip from I'm running this blah, 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 not the dumbest carrier in Romero's trilogy. And I can safely say that now. So it, three people may disagree, but me, I can tell you that it's not true. All right. Palace number three participant. Top 100 Scenes Volume 1. Jake, who won that one? 
Remind me. Wait, the first one? Yeah. Uh, you, you did. Oh, that's right. Oh. oh, oh you right. Okay, okay. <laughs> but we're here we're here now. We're, like I said, it's not it's not movies, it's scenes. You can have bad movies and good scenes and good scenes out of bad movies. So that's who true. knows? It's a whole new ball game. How's top 100 scenes gonna work out for Jake? Um, we'll see. I don't know. I my mindset was just to have fun. Let's just pick a lot of these. I think there are some great dramatic scenes and scenes that I like resonate with me a lot, but there's a lot of scenes that I just think are like fucking hilarious or just highly entertaining. So we'll get to that when we get to that. But I've been looking forward to this for like almost a year. Whenever Koho posted like here's the yearly list of wireless, I was like, I have to be on this. And so I'm just I'm just so happy that we finally got to that day. Awesome. And panelist number four, last but not least, winner, Top 100 Scenes, Volume 4, Mr. Scott Harvey. Scott, some people might say that win was due more to the quality of competition. There's an asterisk on it, yeah. (laughs) It's the American League Central. It's the American (laughs) League Central. How you feeling about Top 100 Scenes? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I'm definitely going to have stiffer competition this time. I think mostly from Cody, probably, uh, just knowing, you know, Kirk's Kirk's taste, but um, yeah, this is fun. You know, this has become a fall tradition for us now, Kirk, to do a top 100 um, together. And I'm sure that uh, things are going to be a little bit different with a different panel, but um, who knows? We may still end up with a final episode with a guy named Jake drunk on stream. So we'll just have to find out whether that happens. Or not. It, it absolutely could happen. Um, all right. So again, it's top 100 scenes. This is going to work like a, you know, these early episodes will play it by ear how far we go, but these will just be just like regular YLS episodes. Um, we'll go in standard YLS fashion. Uh, I'm putting out this now for the entire series. We are under a spoiler alert. You know, we're going to be talking about endings. We're going to be talking about twists. We're going to be talking about, you know, surprises, death scenes, denouement or two, who knows? Uh, so we are under spoilers. If you hear the name of a movie that you don't want spoiled for you, don't turn out. We need your view. I would suggest turn on the volume when you see the banner come up. When you see a banner come up for a new movie, turn the sound back up. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Uh, also, if, if, if your picks are super spoily, just remind the viewers uh, that, you know, you may be ruining a movie for them. Give them a, head, a little bit of a heads up uh, to round them with that. Also, um, as far as yikes go, uh, we didn't talk about this before we went on the air. I meant to. but. Um, if you if someone's scene in any way overlaps your scene, because there may be a little bit of crossover there, I don't know. Um, yikes it, and we'll straighten it out when we get there. Um, I'm trusting you all to know your scenes well enough to uh, to be able to to, to know uh, what your scenes are involved in or not. So, uh, without further ado, Mr. Pitchuck, we're going to start with you. What are your 100 through 98 top 100 scenes of all time? For sure. Oh, last thing. I didn't include a movie more than once on this list. That was a rule I set for myself because of oh, what wow. happened. Oh, so, I wrote that rule many times. Uh, oh, I was going to say over under Lord of the Rings trilogy. How many? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, 10? Wow. Wow, that's impressive. I know, right? I know, right? Weird. Uh, wow. Anyway, my number 100 is The Wedding from I Married a Witch. Uh, my 99 is Happy Gilmore versus Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore. <laughs> And 98 is the Dream Ballet sequence from An American in Paris. All right, my 100. Yeah, The Wedding from I Married a Witch. This scene is comedy gold. Veronica Lake uh, and Frederick March are at their absolute best in this scene, like in this movie, particularly in the scene. Uh, There's some great uh, comedic beats uh, and uh, you've got 
awesome moments where uh, Veronica, uh, where Jennifer, uh, Jennifer played by Veronica Lake, her father uh, gets uh, shot. And when someone else walks in the room, he, uh, uh, Frederick March is like, no, it was an accident, I swear. And uh, he goes, no, it wasn't. Uh, uh, he shot me in cold blood. Please notify the authorities and then he dies and it's great. But no, there's some great moments in the scene. It's honestly a delight of a film. And if you haven't seen this movie, please do. This is the best scene in it by far. Uh, Happy Gilmore versus Bob Barker. Again, the scene is comedy gold. I was just rewatched it before coming on uh, on the show today. And there's so many. Uh, th th this scene never fails to make me laugh. Uh, Bob Barker just steals uh steals the scene from uh adam sandler i know shocking but wh whatever it's uh but it's a fantastic scene and when bob barker uh grabs happy's throat and uh beats the shit out of him it it's just so much fun to watch and the dream ballet sequence from an american paris honestly i wish i could have this higher but i having just seen this movie uh for the first time quite recently I did put it 98. Uh, it was the one thing I swapped out on the list, and uh, it's just incredible. This scene, not not a word of dialogue in it, and the choreography, the the costumes, the the production design in it, gorgeous. The cinematography in the scene is phenomenal. I had a great time with this film, and this was the infinitely the best scene of the film. So, okay, uh, number 100. I married a witch. Uh, I watched this movie um, for, for your list. I hadn't seen it before. Uh, but overall, it was a fun movie, so thank you for that. Um, I did make the mistake, and I learned from this, of watching the scene, or watching the movie, knowing what scene you were talking about. So I gave it maybe a little too much extra scrutiny. Um, and I, I'm going to stop doing that. But um, no, it's fun. Um, it's a short movie. I mean, it's only like, what, like 75 minutes? And the scene's a big chunk of it. It's a pretty long scene. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cute. Like, you know, old timey screwball comedy stuff. Uh, Cecil Kellaway is the dad to me as a standout, uh, his little gags, like you said, like, no, he shot me in cold blood. Um, and he, he's just a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, um, not a bad choice for 100, uh, 99, uh, happy Gilmore. I don't mean this is a shot. Like you're too old. I'm too old or you're too young, but do kids your age know who Bob Barker is outside the scene? <laughs> Like I, I just yeah. I feel like I feel like this is all he is right now. But no, um, this is if you're gonna put a uh, like a Adam Sandler scene on your top 100 list, this is the one to do. Um, because yeah, I mean it's been mean to death. But when this first happened, and you know you saw Bob Barker get into a fistfight with Adam Sandler, um, that was crazy, and that was not the kind of thing you expect. Again, not everybody knows Bob Barker beats up Adam Sandler, but you saw it for the first time. Um, it was a little bit mind blowing. So yeah, that's not a bad pick. And then uh, yeah, the American Paris Dream Ballet, beautiful scene. Um, again, it's one of those things that lot, lots been said about. It. I really don't have much to add, but yeah, just the length of it and the whole, uh, um, just as mu how much they put on the on film there. Um, just going through like the different like plateaus and different um, vistas that they have. Um, really, be it's been done. You know, it's been redone and you know copied to death. So. Um, yeah, not bad for your, uh, not a bad start, Jake or Jack. So, um, keep up the good work and, uh, Cody, we're going to move on to you. Neither one of you quoted the price is wrong, bitch. And that just makes me so sad. Um, <laughs> best part of that thing. Um, they ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty miserable on this side. I'll be honest with you. Um, okay, so my 100 is uh, Caesar yells no in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, yikes. Uh, okay. Uh, my 99 is the church fight in Kingsman. Yikes. <laughs> okay. And my 98 is Kong versus helicopters. Is that a monkey from Kong Skull Island? No yikes, thank God. Um, I really don't like that I had two yikes and they came from Jack. That makes me very sad. Um, overall, um, so I, there's a lot of criticism that comes with this movie. This scene alone um, is exactly what I wanted from the film. I think with how they set up Kong in this movie is brilliant. When they're all flying in and they see nothing of, they don't, they're just flying in to check the area and they start dropping bombs in an island that doesn't belong to them. And then you just see the figure in the sun and they're still confused, which is still funny to me that all of them are like, what is this? Like, what the hell else could it possibly? It looks like a giant, you know, it looks like King Kong, you know, it should be. And he just wrecks shop. Like, I, I get it. It's like I bet I bet if they were practical, dino, uh, uh, they used animatronics. It would look a lot better for people. Me, I love that. I think the CGI pro worked perfectly. I think how they just um, how he like throws the branches and then they see it like basically slow motion and they are like losing every one of their men left right to the sky to the Kong and he's wrecking shop. It's one of my favorite scenes from this movie. And it was like a, I had to put an entry mark because I didn't want to like, this is not clearly like the best hundred scene, but this one is pure cinema fun. So I had to include it. All right. Um, yeah, this is a great scene. Uh, I, I think the CGI in this holds up unlike some other recent, more recent King Kong movies, but no. Um, and I was kind of speculating uh, a little uh, unsure about this one just because you know, I'm a I'm a King Kong purist, and the idea of making him big enough to fight Godzilla, I was like, ah, I don't know how that's gonna work. Um, but yeah, this scene like totally sold me. Um, just you know, just seeing him come out and being that big, and like you said, just like the absolute violence and the reactions are great. Like it's like, how would you react if you saw like a giant monkey just come out of the forest? And uh, that's that's what happens here. So um, yeah, great great action scene, uh, fun movie, um, and yeah, just a great introduction for this character for the whole you know the franchise that he's been in now. Um, so, all right, that is your 98. Uh, so Jake, we're coming over to you. All right, here we go. Uh, number 100 is the failed Robocop 2s from the film Robocop 2. Uh, number 99 is uh, Chased by Nazi Planes in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, and 98, uh, bring up that message from Diaz from 802. <laughs> Restaurant Fiasco from Venice. Best movie of all time. Uh, so, wow, surprisingly nice. Definitely <laughs> not getting last. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so number 100, failed Robocopies, uh, Robocop, Robocop 2s. Um, really funny scene. They're trying to, OCP's trying to make Robo, literally Robocop 2, um, and we're seeing how it does not work and you can only get it right once. Um, my favorite moment of that scene is when one of the Robocop 2s rips off its helmet to reveal a skull. Uh, with eye with um wires coming from its eye sockets and it screams in pain and dies and the old man all he can do is just be disappointed that Robocop two isn't succeeding, so really funny scene and pretty much uh, a metaphor for the entire movie Robocop two, uh, ninety nine, uh, chased by Nazi planes, uh, really funny. It's, they're on the blimp and then 
they had out. Um, I really like the part where um, Connery fires the. Uh, it's not the propeller, but like it's the the tail of the plane. And he says, "I'm sorry, son. They got us." Um, and then they crash down. And then they find a car. And then they drive. And then they go through a tunnel. Um, just really like inventive action, and I really and riveted. But like the moment I really love about the scene is when they're on the beach, and then there's a plane coming towards them, and. Sean Connery, with his like just genius mind, decides I'm going to scare a bunch of birds, which is going to fly into the propeller of the plane, and it's going to crash. Absolutely hilarious, and I find it like funny as. Uh, 98 is uh, I got to, I got to include a Venom scene, um, so I decided to go with the the, the most comical, the most stupid. Uh, the restaurant scene is just really stupid. Um, I really love tom hardy's performance i don't even understand what he was trying to do but this is sort of an indicament of his performance uh the way he just comes in and looks like a crazy person i've got this footage from the life foundation um to his uh ex-fiance Anne, and then he decides that he's going to beat a bunch of bunch of people up uh eat a bunch of food and then jump into the uh lobster tank uh it was just hilarious and every time i watch it i'm just like why did people think this is a great idea for this movie and i'm just laughing my ass off All right. Okay. Uh, number one hundred. I really like this scene. Um, I think this. If 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 someone asked you what is like the tone of RoboCop, if I said that I watch RoboCop movies, this is the scene I would show them because I think it captures perfectly what everything at RoboCop is. Um, and I just, I love this. The, the, I love the. I think is Johnson his name, the little like sniffling guy in glasses at the character. Yeah, Johnson. Yeah, I just love him as like that like. Uh, just that like he's like Smithers that perfect like corporate like shield suck up guy like like Wayland Smithers type, and um, the one that comes out and just starts shooting people and I, I, they have the great little touch. They're going in the meeting and the guy has the cast on and you don't know why they haven't set it up, and they show the video he gets shot, and he's like holding his arm like just thinking about it, and then Johnson's in the video. And as soon as they start shooting, just perfect comedic timing. He like slumps down and like he turns around and he's like crawling out on his hands and knees. And then the guy, and then it sl the, the robot slumps down and the lights come on, the the, the sirens. Um, so yeah, just perfect comedic timing. My only problem with it is I feel like comedy is like the role of comedy is like threes. Comedy comes in threes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's one missing because they just do the two. Um, but otherwise, it's hilarious. This should have been your 100, Jake. I feel like this is going to be better than like 80% of your list. So you should have had this higher. Um, Last Crusade, solid scene. Um, not, I don't know offhand if you have any more Indiana Jones. It's not the action scene I would have picked. Um, but I do like the touch with Connery and his character, like kind of saving the day with like his brains and like the way he would do it. Um, it's a pretty cool move. But I get, like I said, I mean, there's, I, hopefully you have more Indiana Jones because um, there are a lot of really great scenes to pick from there. Um, Venom, I don't know what you're doing to me, Jake. We got three months of this. Please d don't, don't bring me this nonsense. Um, I, I, I appreciate you putting this 97 so else to talk about it, but, um, this, this, this is, does not bode well. So far your top, so far your, your 100 is your best pick. Let's see how long it lasts. Uh, Scott, we're on to you. Give us your bottom three. Okay. Uh, at number 100, I have the rodeo scene from Borat. Um, at number 99, I have the incinerator scene from Toy Story 3. And at 98, I have uh, the grits cross examination. Yikes. Oh, yeah, okay. I knew that was coming. Um, 
Okay, number 100, uh, Borat, the rodeo scene. I'm not going to have that many comedies on here. It's probably not that big of a surprise to people that that's the case. It's not really my genre, but um, Borat is a movie that, like, thrives on individual scenes. And so I, I this was one that, you know, instantly came to mind because it really is just a collection of, you know, hilarious scenes. And this is for the funniest one to me where he is, at you know, at this rodeo and I believe Texas or somewhere like that. And, um, you know, goes out and gives a speech, uh, you know, pro-Iraq war saying, you know, uh, we support your boys in Iraq and, you know, I want you to, to we're going to drink the blood of the children and all this stuff. And the crowd is just cheering him. And and then he sing, proceeds to sing the national anthem, but sing lyric, very, like very pro-Kazakhstan lyrics and ridiculous stuff like we are the highest exporter of potassium. Um, and the crowd starts booing him. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's hilarious. And it speaks to what is great about Borat and Borat too, um, which is um, the fearlessness of Sasha Baron Cohen to just go out there and do that. Because God knows what could have happened with these Texans. Like somebody could have stood up with a gun. Who knows? But anyway, um, it's, a, it's a great scene. 99, yeah, not far off probably. And 99, uh, the incinerator scene from Toy Story 3. Yeah, I mean... You're probably not going to see that many animated scenes for me either. Um, again, <laughs> so I'm getting them out of the way here early, I guess. But um, I love the Toy Story franchise. I love all four of the movies. Um, this scene, I mean, I think this movie has the biggest emotional moments. And this scene is arguably the biggest emotional moment. Um, because for at least a few seconds, you actually think that, you know, all of the main characters are like about to perish. Um and I, uh, you know, I think that's interesting that they would go there and, you know, a, ostensibly a children's film, first of all. But I also just like the approach of the scene that the toys, you know, at a certain point, they're headed towards the fire and they just stop struggling. And Woody is like, let's just, you know, let's face this together. Uh, and there's something kind of moving about the fact that they just kind of like link hands and are just ready to accept their fate. Um you know, with which we think for a few seconds again is going to be, it's going to be death. Um, you know, they're saved. Everything's great, but um, it's a, it's a moving scene, um, and really speaks to our, you know our connection with these characters across all three movies. Um, and so I think that was the pick for me. Uh, yeah, Borat. It's a funny scene. Borat has. A little, it's not not nearly as bad, but a little bit like the Austin Powers problem, where it's like you have to look back at those movies through the lens of like years of people doing bad board impressions that kind of taints your, your your taste of the movies. Um, but no, this scene this scene's good. I mean, just like you said, just the, the ballsiness of him going out and doing these things and just completely committing to the characters, uh, to the character, um, is is great. And like it's just that that kind of like performance, like Andy Kaufman type comedy. Is yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, you have to give it to him, even if you don't like the comedy, doesn't it for you? You have to, um, you know, respect the dedication. And then, uh, Toy Story 3, this is my favorite Toy Story movie, and yeah, I feel the same way. I know Cody was rolling his eyes when you're talking, um, but I think it speaks to how well these not just this movie, but the whole franchise is made that they have you believing that this might be the way they end it. Um, I think the whole series, like, kind of like 
you know, matured through, I mean, it always had kind of like more mature themes than, you know, just a basic kids movie, but I think it matured through the, 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 the original trilogy to the point where it's like, yeah, they might just, you know, they might not make it. Um, and again, I mean, it's fleeting. It doesn't last long, but it, it's enough. And like that, that moment where they're all holding hands, you're just like, Oh my God. Like even, even though they do survive just like that moment of them, like you said, surrendering, like we're going to go out together uh, is super powerful. So yeah, that's a, that's one of my, that's, very high rated on my Toy Story three scenes or Toy Story scenes in general or Pixar in general. Um, so that's a good one, especially this high up. Um, so that is everybody's bottom three for the night. We're going to go in, take the gloves off. Everybody's going to have a chance to uh, speak their piece now. Uh, Jack, we're coming back to you. Give me your 97. All right. Uh, my 97 is the lobby shootout from the Matrix. No yikes! Interesting. All right. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very great scene. Okay, so this scene is fantastic. Uh, what? Probably my favorite. Like, I know everyone uh, loves to look at the bullet times a scene and uh, say that's the best scene in the Matrix, and I get it. But this is the one that captivated me. Uh, that really made me go, okay, this movie is phenomenal. I uh, the the. Uh, the action in the scene is fantastic. Keanu Reeves and uh, I'm forgetting name right now, Gary but that's Moss. okay. Trini, yeah, uh, they're both uh, great in it. They're, it's not really like any. Uh, it's not. A, it's not a talky scene like at all. Uh, I think the only words uh, said in the scene are the guard when uh, when he sees uh, Keanu Reeves uh, open his jacket and where he sees all the guns. And he goes. Oh shit! And then he gets shot immediately. It's just a incredibly choreographed action set piece, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, no, this is great. And again, this is another one where I have to go back to you know my memories of originally watching it because the Matrix has been done kind of to death at this point. Um, I'm I don't know why you're rolling your eyes. It's I'm just stating facts. Um, but this is um, definitely because I mean. To this point in the movie, so much had been done like that, you know, just the revelation of the Matrix and everything was just a complete game changer. And by the time you get to this scene, um, just, you know, when they have all the guns come out and everything and they're just loading up and you just know they're going to just shoot everything all to hell. Um, it's it's great. And it's, it's just a, you know, just a great setup to everything that comes after um, because it builds off of this. Um, but yeah, this is a, a really fun just shootout sequence and just really super over the top and um, just a great, um, just fits into the movie so well. Um, and the whole movie is just so well paced as far as the action. And it's just a really great moment in it. Uh, everybody else on the lobby shootout in the Matrix. It's great. <clears throat> it's, um, it's awesome. It's like a practical set, all the rubble and shit that, that, that was destroyed, that to clean it up for every take. Like it's... um. It's well done. I love the song or whatever the, the piece of music that's used in that um, that scene. I listen to it all the time in high school. Um, it's a great scene, and it like it's first. It's Neo's first like action scene as when he um, really re realizes who he is and what he can do. So, no, I think this is a great scene. Yeah, great pick. Um, the wall running and all that is is sick. The use of slow mo is great. Um, this is probably the scene to pick from the matrix i i did think about picking something from the trilogy but i don't know i don't have as close a relationship to it as some people do um but 
if I had chosen something, it would this this very well could have been in the mix. So um, yeah, I'm surprised nobody else had it. Good pick. This was nowhere near close to ever making my list. Overall, thank you, Matrix, for opening the door for other action movies to do better things since um, and do it. It's so silly. The entire scene is silly, just where he's like shooting. I don't know why he's worried. He clearly never worried about the characters dying ever in this movie because they can't die because bullets don't hit them. He does a cartwheel in the middle of one of these scenes, and I guess if you do slow motion rubble coming at the camera, it's game-changing cinema no idea why these movies even get praised anymore like I, I guess the same i guess the same reason snow white gets praised thanks for opening the door but the rest of us ran through the door that is an oversimplification but that's whatever. not an oversimplification every there's actually john you're not john wick's action scenes look a billion times better than anything from the matrix and i will stand because he slow motion runs up somebody and kicks him in the face we're gonna call that great cinema kill kill me now Jack, congratulations. You did a good job Googling great scenes. You did a good job. You picked one of the scenes from the Matrix. You crossed the line. You crossed. You did a good job. We're at 97. This is hell. All right, Jack. I'm going to kill myself. Jack, 96. All right. My 96 is Patton's introduction in Patton. <laughs> That's a transition. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. This is just one of the greatest introduction scenes to a character, I think. Uh, George George C. Scott is just he he fully embodies uh, Patton in this film, and specifically in this scene. The speech he gives is brilliant, uh, and no, it, it's just uh, like I, I I could talk a lot about this scene, but we're trying to keep this short, and it's been talked about a lot uh not necessarily in this community but it's a it's a phenomenal speech and uh one of the great introductions i think all right uh yeah it's a great it, it is one of like the great like character introductions of the movie i just love the fact that it's kind of like has like a little meta aspect where he's talking to a room full of soldiers but he's also talking directly to us and um just a lot of the stuff he says like just talking about america and how america you know, loves a winner, you know, can't stand losing. Just, I mean, you're like, man, it's kind of it hits home. It's, I, I like the fact that the Canadian picked this, uh, picked this speech. Um, but yeah, just that look in front of the American flag, you know, just how just that stark giant flag and him, just that little thing in front of it. Um, yeah, I mean, top nine, you know, in your 90s, I think it's a good scene to have. Um, I don't know how much, you know, higher I would go with it. Um, but no, it's solid character reduction. Everybody else on uh, Patton. Was George C. It. Scott on your performance list? No. Then you're an entire fraud, and I can't stand <laughs> anything about you. To put this <laughs> even on your list, thanks for Googling, like I said before. That's what this list is. The, I, he literally, describing the scene, he said um, it embodies... He embodies Patton. Well, God, I fucking hope so. Could he have, what, Walt Disney? Who else is he supposed to be portraying? He's portraying Patton in the film. The scene is fine. It's overplayed for what it is. The movie, his performance is what carries the scene, but scene for thing, it's a great speech, but overall, like, I don't think it stands, like, it goes beyond that point. Like, he did a great job playing Patton. He's the best. He does. He's the only reason that movie works in any way, but the scene itself, 
I don't think rises above a lot of those scenes, especially one that's known so well. I 96, I sure, but you could have put where's another Lord of the Rings clip? That's what should have been here. Some battle got cut off because Patton's intro had to be here. <laughs> Jake and Scott? Uh, I have not seen the movie. I've seen like bits of the scene, but like not enough to be like, oh yeah, it's a good scene, but I can't uh, for sure. All right, Jack, uh, number 95. All right, uh, Scott didn't say anything. All right, yeah, it's Eddie's 110 yeah, fight, million dollar baby. All right, uh, this scene, th this is my favorite scene for million dollar baby from the first time I saw this film. Uh, I know Jay Baruchel isn't the best part of this film, but Morgan Freeman. You put anyone in a scene with Morgan Freeman and they're uh, infinitely a million times better. But uh, Morgan Freeman in this scene gets to beat the shit out of Anthony Mackie and it's a lot of fun to watch. No, uh, um, Morgan Freeman goes to fix a, a overflowing toilet and bathroom. And he hears uh, Anthony Mackie and Michael Pena and the rest of them uh, beating the crap out of uh, Jay Baruchel, Danger, whatever his character's name is called. Uh and he he goes into the ring, takes one of uh, takes one of Baruchel's gloves, and just beats the absolute shit out of Anthony Mackie. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Honestly, incredibly hard hitting scene in the film. Uh, there's obviously other scenes that are like more emotional and whatnot, but this is the scene that I think of every time when I think of Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, to be honest, like when you first said, when I first saw this on your list, I was, had to kind of think about back to what it was. Um, it's not like a super memorable scene for me, uh, but the more I thought about it, um, it is so it is a very satisfying scene because um, a big part of the the movie is the whole you know the, the subplot of the, the like the world of that gym and Jay Baruchel's Jay, Jay Baruchel's kind of hard to watch in this movie, but um, you still feel bad for him and you hate Anthony Mackie and you just want to see him you know, get the hell beat out of them. And, you know, just, just to see it, Morgan Freeman, you know, see Eddie be the one to get to do it, um, it is pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I would not have this on my top 100, but I could see why you would just because, like, that kind of catharsis you get from it. Um, so, again, in your 90s, I'm not going to give you a hard time. Uh, anybody else on Million Dollar Baby? It's all right, scene. I, I don't really remember much about the scene um, other than, like, he kind of just beats the crap out of a guy. Uh, that's about it. Um, I don't like the disrespect for a million. I love. I like this movie a whole lot. Um, overall, I think this is the correct scene. You're correct. Jay Baruchel is not the star. But I'm glad you pointed that out for everybody, just in case they were confused. Um, but overall, like it's a cool scene. There are other scenes in this movie that I like like more than this one, but it's not a bad. Like it's sure 95 cents. Yeah, I've seen the movie one time uh, many years ago. I uh, I had to remember what the scene was when Jack was talking about it. I think it's good for, you know, how it is described, right? Morgan Freeman beats up Anthony Mackie. That is the scene. That is what is enjoyable about it. I don't know that it goes any anything beyond that, but um, sure, in the 90s, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Jack, I think you're 94. All right, my 94, uh, spoiler alert, I, I, I kept the title as uh, vague as possible for people that still haven't seen the movie Room, uh, even though it is an old movie. It's the, uh, it's the rug uh, from Room. 
so when Jack, uh, when when Jacob Tremblay's character is in the truck, and uh, yeah, so this scene, uh, in this uh, scene in room, uh, Jacob Tremblay is wrapped up in a rug, uh, presumably uh, presumably dead, uh, or so Brie Larson has told uh, Old Nick uh, in this in this moment. And, uh, so he takes, uh, he takes the rug, puts in the back of his truck and he's going to, uh, get, uh, get rid of, uh, the rug and, uh, Jacob Tremblay. Uh, and the escape scene that follows is so, so powerful and so satisfying to watch because you're, he's finally out. Uh, you, you know, there's hope for Brie Larson now. Uh, you, you know, that, uh, uh you you know they're finally they're finally free uh but it's just the sheer panic you feel during the scene before he finally makes it is and i was holding my breath the whole time it's incredible yeah uh again a scene i probably wouldn't put on, i definitely wouldn't put on my list um but i could see why you would um just again because of the build-up to it um, just because of the, you know, you're, you're waiting to see, you know, how are they going to get out? Are they going to be able to get out from the, you know, the get go to when she starts planning this to when she puts them in there and everything. Uh, and then, you know, just with him wrapped in that rug, I was, I was watching scene today and it reminded me, it's like, you know, they show him, he's, he's tight wrapped up in this rug and he's looking out and he sees the light coming through. Him. And it was kind of like a rebirth to me. Like it, it reminded me, like, it made me think like, you know, he's being born into the world for the first time. And then he has that scene where he gets a, he, the, the rug unfurls and he looks up and he sees the sky for the first time and just like that moment of you know this the, this like hor horrifying moment of what's going on but you have that like split second of him just like basking in that and you know be kind of being overwhelmed by it um and then up till the up till the end when you know because he you know the way it works he kind of gets away and he's running and the guy comes back so you you just don't know if he's gonna make it or not it's really keeps you on the edge of your seat so yeah again um not like a super memorable scene for me but uh for for your 90s and like i said just because the you know the the feeling you get from it um not a bad pick for 94 everybody else on the rug escape scene from the room um so this scene crossed my mind um overall i didn't want to include it just because um I haven't went back to it. I've never rewatched this movie since 2014. I think it's a very rough movie to watch. Um, um, I think the scene like made me like have like almost a panic attack watching it, just because of the idea of, like if he opens up that rug, if he sees anything, and like when he does break out of the rug and run, like you just hear the and he's just running for his life at that point. It's just a terrifying feeling overall. Um, I think it's play. I think it's. I think they do a really good job with the suspense. I think the, like what you said, like this is a kid that's never been outside, never done like anything at that point. So he's like experiencing everything for the first time. The sun's the brightest it's ever been for him. Like, so the things he's having to like do in that stressful environment without his mom by his side that he's never had. I think there's just some powerful things in the scene. So I think it's a really good choice. I still want to know what happened to Jack and who did this, but um, somebody else came to this list and I confirm I need to, <laughs> this is Holtzman's list. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I think this is a fine scene to pick from this movie. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, to be honest. I don't think it has a lot of interesting things to say about the situation. But um, this scene is effective um, on a visceral level, which is like the one level that I think the movie the movie is effective on, um, which is, you know, just kind of keeping you invested in the actual plot of them being in the room and trying to get out. Um, so, like I said, if you're going to pick a scene from this movie, this is probably the one to to pick because it, it does have, you know, that impact. But on the whole, this movie didn't enter my mind. I'm not that huge of a fan of it. Yeah, I'm also not uh, that big of a fan of the movie, although I do think this is the best scene in the movie, hands down. Or like the POV sort of subjectivity, like you really feel like you're with um, Jack. Um, that's his name, right? The kid? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, you just said it anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a really good scene. But. All right. Um, Cody, that brings us over to you for your next uh the meat of your list, so to speak. Oh man, let's let's uh let's uh let's <laughs> I didn't just Google this list, so these are not gonna seem uncomparable. Uh I'm doing the bomb scene from Top Gun Maverick. Let's go. Um I I am a I am th- I'm probably one of the biggest like people that hate the original Top Gun with like everything. I, I, I watched it at a bad time. I had to do this, so I had zero interest in seeing this movie. Zero. Um, watching this movie um, is exactly how this movie should be done. How a Top Gun movie should be done. How a air fight kind of movie should be done. And I don't think there's been one that I've like. I've always found it interesting of like dog fighting, but this one took it to a whole nother level. Again, I'm never going to experience like 10 G's like in my life. If I do, then something drastically has went wrong. And like the earth has like plummeted somewhere. I don't know, but I, I should never experience 10 G's anytime soon. Um, but the entire trench run basically to this bomb scene and out is some of the most intense action I've seen. And I know I understand like Top Gun Maverick is getting like this wide, like praise that is crazy for people. Um, I'm, I still think it's a really great movie. I don't think it's like the greatest action movie of the last 21st century, but this scene alone where they're able to have to fly at such a low altitude and enter into this um, terrain. And they're basically which is confusing to me. The whole movie is kind of confusing because they don't have like the the military weapons, like the the planes enough, like advanced enough to beat the enemy. But like the United States is like king military, so the movie like has to like you don't have the things to beat these other jets. But basically, they have to fly at such a low volume and such a fast amount of time, get up over into a into like a. Uh, I don't know how to like, like they have to shoot down and then exit out in like the sharpest point ever and get out and how they're able to accomplish this movie with what they're doing is like the most, like, I think this is the most pro like America, like fuck yeah moment. than when Rocky beat Drago in four, like we've defeated the cold war twice, basically is that the scene ends. I am so pumped throughout this entire scene. I've watched the scene numerous times. Um, what is it? Uh, what's his name? Shit. Uh, Miles Teller's like second one is behind, and they have to catch up. And then his his like sight can't see, so he has to blind launch into it and then exit out. And as soon as they exit out, these missiles come for him. Oh, such an intense scene. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, badass. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And if you can see it in the theater, 
you have to because at home it doesn't do any justice to this movie. See. Yeah, um, I have my thoughts on the movie as a whole, um, but I have no problems that it, of anything that took place in an airplane in this movie. Uh, it was all fantastic, uh, and I love what I love about this scene is that it's been set up so much because you've watched them train and train and train, and you know exactly what they have to do. So when something goes wrong for them, you're like, "Oh crap!" Because you've been through it with them, and you know where what's wrong and how it's going to screw you know how it's going to mess them up how it's going to make it harder for them so i think it's just a great payoff to everything that came before in the movie um and yeah it's it's just great um and just the the the, the angles they're getting um you know fr- from the plane from the ground like the like the like the shots from like the 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 missile turrets turn up and like the point of view from the missiles and everything uh, there's just a lot of great uh camera work in here um so yeah it's an awesome action scene um you know, I'm when not they have to shoot the flares behind them, and like yeah, every just, like, just tr- like how practical... every single thing has to be perfect. And then mm-hmm. when it's not perfect, you're like, "Oh crap, what's going to happen next?" Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Like that was tense. And again, like I said, there's a lot about this movie I wasn't invested in, but once this part started going, I was like, "Yes, I am totally on board for this." Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm not even going to give you a hard time because you know, like uh, anything about recency bias or anything, because it's a it's it's a very 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 well done actually, and I mean like I I think as far as legacy sequels go, uh, you're definitely right. This blows you know in general the original out of the water, uh, and this this the 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 air scenes are a big part of the reason why. Uh, everybody else on the bomb run from Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I, when I revise my list to include 2022 movies, I will definitely have something from this movie on there. Um, it might be the test run scene. I might like that one a little bit more, um, where Maverick does all of this basically just to show that it can be done. But um, this is such a great, you know, thrilling scene. And for the reason that Kirk mentioned, like one of the many things that the movie does really well is just it. The storytelling is so clear, and it's like a Mission Impossible movie in the sense that you know you have like the briefing of like again, here's what they need to do, you know. Here, here are the ways that it could go wrong, right? If you fly too high, if you don't get both bombs in there, whatever. Um, and then, so, so you know, you, you are just in the moment um, when this scene finally comes around. And like Kirk said, you know exactly what the stakes are, what needs to be done, um, and what they're working against. So um, great pick, um, great movie. Love it. Uh, good scene. Uh, it's been a while since I uh, saw Top Gun Maverick, so my memory is a little fuzzy on the scene, but I remember being uh, incredibly riveted by it. So. Yeah, I got to this one a little late, I believe, uh, when it when it first came out in theaters. But uh, just seeing uh, Top Gun right before seeing this, and then seeing this film was incredible. Uh, this is clearly, if I had to pick one scene to put on this list from the movie, this would be it. Great choice, Cody. Uh, just phenomenal scene. All right, Cody, ninety six. Uh, so I'm not a horror guy whatsoever. So when I when horror works for me, it works for me in a, like the best way possible. So I went with uh, Michael comes home from Halloween 2018. It's his first shot inside Haddonfield where he's basically doing the walk like through like the kids bump into him. He walks through the house. He he basically kill he kills the old woman, gets the with the hammer, drops it, 
goes through, picks up the knife, and it's like this giant tracking shot. Like he sees the kid in the crib and keeps walking. It just shows everything I love about Michael Myers and Halloween. Um, I don't love all the films. Like, believe me, they're garbage. But like, this is the one, and this is why I have such a visceral reaction to the second, the sequel to this one, because I think they just completely waste what it is. Michael is like. He's he just he's he's basically the he just moves and does what he needs like what he does and there's no like real rhyme or reason for any of the reasoning behind what he kills but he just kills to kill and like the end shot where the lady's like looking out the window and the stab goes through and like that's where the scene ends I just love I'm not a big like tracking like figure out where the shot goes like oh that's cool how they shot that this is one that's always stuck with me the kids bump into him and he keeps moving and like as you follow him through to get to his knife, basically to get to a knife is like the perfect thing to the return of Michael that wasted so many sequels up to that point. So, um, and Michael is one of those killers that doesn't do like the, Ooh, let me stab you with like this flare gun and watch your brains. Like, you know, like he's very just quick and does his job to get to Lori. Like that's his main motive. So, uh, this is the scene. It was pretty. I didn't want to put it too high because I don't think it's like the most incredible horror shot of all time. But this is one that is very high. The movie's very high, so the, the scene ranks pretty high with me. Yeah, I've never been a huge Michael Myers fan, and the main reason is, to be honest, in the original movies, like I don't think he's that scary. I mean, the first one, he basically, you know, he drives around for a while in a station wagon, and then you know he comes out with a knife and. You know, he can't stab anybody. He's got his victims, like, with an arm's length, and he's missing them. And then, you know, if you poke him with any pointed object, he's going to be down for the count long enough to get away from him, and you can run because he's so slow. So, the, like, the, the originals really never freaked me out. I watched this scene. This is the first time I've actually been, like, afraid of Michael Myers. Like, just the way they, like, set him out there. And it reminded me of Jaws. Like, he was the shark, and all the kids running around were just the – ignorant people had no clue what was going on in the water and like no idea how close they were to death and just like the randomness of the kills uh just how he's walking around and just like you said the way it's shot um they're playing the music like they, it's like a different like arrangement of the, of the original music but it's like it's like, yeah i uh, forgot to i forgot to even yeah. bring up the music the moment that cues back in it's like yeah. Ever, like that's one of the best scores of all time. Like Barna, yeah. and it's just like it brings you right back because it. Mm-hmm. You hear the intro when he hits in the chest, and then when he screws out, as soon as the mask hits, you hear the drop of it, and it like yeah. goes, and you're like, okay, well, now we're back. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's all right. And then just like how the, the 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 choices of what they show, they choose to show and not show, and where the camera moves to, and where it stops, and where it starts moving again, how it falls. When he goes up to the second house, he looks at the window. And you get that reflection, and it almost looks like the mask is smiling, you know, but just like the, the way it's hitting. And then the, the camera just stays there, and you see him go around, and like you know, it's inevitable this woman's getting taken out. Um, but yeah, this is like I, I haven't seen the movie, full disclosure. I just watched the scene, um, but and I honestly had no real interest in seeing the movie. Now that I've watched the scene, I want to watch the rest of the movie. I'm like kind of engrossed based on this scene. Um, so I think it's a really solid pick. Uh, everybody else on uh, the scene from Halloween 2018. Uh, yeah, this scene was almost uh, on one of the earlier versions of my list. Like it was in my head for quite a while while I was making this list, but I decided to put some other ones on. I'm really glad Cody had it because that's probably my favorite moment in this uh, 
franchise is this long take. It's really great. Uh, this is when Michael Myers, uh, see, seeing this for the first time, this is when, uh, this is when I was like, oh goodness, um, what 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 could possibly happen next? Like what? Uh, Michael Myers is just unpredictable. There's not there's no rhyme or reason to any, anything he does. Like you said, uh, seeing this scene is just brutal, and he's incredible in it. Yeah, um, this is a great pick. It's not one that I actually thought of, but um, yeah, I really I really like this movie, Kirk. You should definitely watch it. Um, it's it's good on the whole. Um, but yeah, this, this scene in particular, I think just really gets at what is the strongest about Halloween, which is just the simplicity of it, right? It's just a guy in a mask in a neighborhood with full of kids on Halloween wreaking havoc. And, you know, so many of the sequels and everything and all that got away with it and overcomplicated the lore and whatnot. Um, and this is the, the scene in the moment where you realize that, you know, David Gordon Green is, is being really faithful to um the original the spirit of the original down to the music and everything um and so it it, it shows that it, you know horror and slasher movies don't have to be overcomplicated, supernatural relying on a whole lot of stylistic tricks in order to be effective yeah it's um it's a really good scene i'm a sucker for tracking shots and long takes like anytime i see that in the movie i'm just so horny for it um and it's a really yeah well done scene i really love the way he just like transitions from hammer to knife um and it just goes like what scott was saying just this goes back to just what made michael myers effective from the original halloween film so yeah a very great scene all right cody uh number 95 Sorry, wars on comes. Um, so I'm not a. I don't have a ton of fandom or uh, geek related stuff. So I pick things that I um, uh, that I like. And there, are, I did very. I was very smart with what I did because it's the classic YLS. I'm not going to talk about it because other people will talk about it or bring it up. So there are definitely movies and stuff that I have higher, but scenes overall, this is the one I went with. Um, I went with Cap and Bucky versus Tony and Captain America Civil War. Um, no yikes. Okay. Um, so um, I love this scene. Um, I don't love the movie as much as I love the scene. I think the scene is what works. And I understand there's another scene from this movie that works, but I, I don't love it as much as everybody else. I don't think it's that great overall. I think this scene is the one that actually has like the emotional elements to it. Um, for the first time in like the saga, Tony like absolutely like loses his cool to a point that he just can't be reasoned with or realize what's happening. And I think the best thing in the MCU is the, the complete struggle between Captain America and Bucky. I don't think they do it the best they could, but overall, it's the one thing that Cap can't like shake and can't get away with. And basically, after he sees the clip, if they get to the they get to this point. They see the clip that Bucky is the reason that uh, uh, Tony's parents are dead, um, and then it starts the manhunt for basically. Tony's going to kill Bucky at this point and he's going to end him and Cap's like battling him back. This is the first time you see Iron Man and Cap actually like battle battle. And he basically said like one of the best lines in my, is when he's holding Bucky by the throat and he's like, 
do you remember them at all? And he's like, I remember every one of them. And then Cap is down um, and he goes, it's not going to bring him back. And like, it's the scene from Two Extreme Night that's stupid, but it's the, I don't care, he killed my mom. Uh, I included it because I think it's one of the most, like the lines that like, I don't care at this point. I'm going to end this. And I think how they choreograph, how they battle that scene, I think it looks really, really good. I think overall Bucky loses his arm at the end of this because he reaches in and tries to take out uh, Tony's uh, arc reactor. Um, Again, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, but this scene has always stuck with me from this scene that I absolutely love. There are better overall Marvel scenes, but this one actually has a payoff with the rift between Tony and like the introduction of the scene is when he's like, he was my friend. Yeah. So I thought I was too. Like it's builds up to like, yeah, this guy has been around. I've been here the entire time. So it's an interesting battle. Um, yeah. The thing that I respect the most about this scene is that it exists because especially after the airport scene, you figure, okay, you know, they're going to do the regular cop-out of the, you know, they sell, they tease the hero versus hero story. And then, you know, they end up like a Batman v Superman where it's like, okay, now we got to go fight the real villain. And that moment you realize there is no real villain and they're going to fight for real. That was pretty crazy. Um, so I respect the movie for doing that. Uh, however, on a personal visceral level, I hate this scene because I do not care about Bucky at all. I say this 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 whole movie and this scene is the two most interesting characters in the MCU breaking up over the least interesting character in the MCU. Bucky is the Yoko Odo of the MCU. He just he ruins this. I mean, it's it's I, I hate I will kill people today, Leo. I will kill people with this cricket bat. Lionel Trippy appearance. <laughs> but um I yeah, I just I I don't care about Bucky at all and I hate how Tony gets completely punked out in this. Because when he's like I don't care he killed my mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm completely on board. Go get him. Like again because if it's a character I killed I cared about that killed his mom maybe but like <clears throat> take him out Tony. Um and the fact that it's Cap holding him back and fighting against him and letting Bucky try to kill him. That drives me crazy. And then the end when Tony is totally punked out. Like, that's not your shield. That's my dad's shield. I'm taking my ball and going home. I That's like my least favorite moment in the MCU. I hate that so much. I hate what they did to Tony's character. I hate what it does to... That's your least favorite part in the entire MCU? Sir, uh, have you watched all of them? Of, of involving the these characters, absolutely. Have you, have you watched it? <laughs> it's, it's it's my least favorite well, character because I hate what it does to Tony's character. But then then the scene should work in some areas because he is going for Bucky and he basically makes him immobilized at he blows off his arm. Yeah, but it pisses me off that Cap's like not letting him just do it. Like, yeah, he killed his mom. Let him do because it. Because he's yeah. fucking loyal to a fault. He's uh, net stuck. And know, I'm like, bored I, just I, listening to this. But uh <laughs> but um yeah, so I mean, I'm not going to hold it against you too much because on, on a technical level, it's a it's a great fight scene, um, but I have a lot of trouble removing my personal feelings about it. Uh, everybody else on, on this fight. Uh, good scene. Good fight. I like it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I enjoy this movie for an MCU movie. I think the emotional stakes are what make the movie, but if you watch the scene, it 
is dark it is gray it is every other mcu action scene and so it's not on my list for that reason and there's only one scene <laughs> that you may see you, you want you want to talk about a crumb bum scum bum punk i'll own that uh solid scene uh this was incredible to see in the theater with my friends who were Firmly divided between Team Cap and Team Iron Man, but it was uh, it, it was just this was a really fun scene to see in the theater. Uh, and having read the comics before the seeing the shot of uh, Iron Man uh, shooting Captain America's shield brought to life in the MCU was dream com uh, comic book uh, dream come true. It's a great scene. All right, Cody, ninety four. Scott Harvey is literally the guy that if you went over to his house and he like bought you bought great value chips from Walmart and be like, oh, you don't have the premier name brand? My God, where's the film that we talk about sculpture and art? God damn, oh, these dark gray coming, bullshit, uh, disgusting. This one's gonna get yikes. I think uh, the snap, Infinity War. Yikes. Oh, okay, you can move on. Okay, uh, Jake, you're okay. 97, yeah. Um, I don't even know how to set this up. Um, I'm a big fan of the 2003 Ang Lee film Hulk, um, and I really just want to talk about this one moment from Wrong. the scene. Um, hey, Todd? I'm talking about the... What the fuck? Uh, the scene is Hulk escapes, and I'm talking about when he's uh, in the facility and he breaks out after having, like, a nightmare. Um, the scene is really fun. I really... Um, I... I've always loved the editing choices that Ang Lee had for the movie, and you see a lot of it in this scene. Um, and uh, Josh Lucas plays just a brilliant asshole in in Glenn Talbot in this movie. Um, and there's a part where he just wants to take a sample. He's got Hulk uh, captured in the foam, concrete, whatever, and then tries to take the um, DNA sample and then like realizes, oh, yeah, this is too big even for me, so I'm just going to blow him up. And then... <laughs> It bounces off him and hits the back of the um, of the wall and explodes in an incredible transition shot of Josh Lucas screaming while the whole background is an explosion and then transitions into another scene. It is one of the most audacious like comic book uh, scene moments ever and really captures that sort of aesthetic. And I really just love. I just want to talk about that moment because it's just fucking hilarious. I love it. I will rewatch it anytime I want to. Um, it's just so funny and it's great. And that visual is just like burned into my brain. The part you're talking about isn't the worst part of this scene. Um, I think just, just the, the, the rubber like doll action figure Hulk That's and that not... great bright, like lime green is just, there's a lot wrong with these effects. And then, uh, I don't mind like some of the choices in this movie, but like the constant picture and picture in this one and just. Everything cutting it, it's just so like so ridiculous. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about Hulk anymore or not on your list, but um, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll wait to say anything else. Everybody else on Hulk escapes. Um, I haven't seen the movie. Uh, I honestly, I think I would probably like it. I like Ang Lee. This is like the era of comic book movies that I'm into. So, but, this is what's but, my best well, friend on this panel. I, I haven't seen it. I'm not saying one way or the other. I think I would like it, but I don't know. I've been I think, honestly think you might, like, to be honest. So, 
just I no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tear into you too badly because uh, I don't exactly have Thank a lot you. of uh, ground to stand on myself. However, why? It's hilarious. It's funny. Does this feature does this feature Nick Nolte at all? Wait, what do you mean in the scene? Yeah. No. Then you picked the wrong one. Well, overall, I don't want to spoil. And literally, I I don't even have it. I Jack is no longer my enemy. Scott Harvey is my enemy now in this thing where he's sitting just there. And like, I said, I'm I bored because this like, MCU might, is just dark. This is dark and gray, but he's like, give me Ang Lee's Hulk. It's Jack. not dark and gray. I bet. That's yeah. That's oh, <laughs> have you seen Hulk? There's it's not dark and gray. Besides the giant green blob that runs through the scenes, it's always dark in that movie. All right, then I won't um, like it. Probably. All right, everybody talked about this, right? Yeah. yeah. Jake ninety six. Uh, ninety six. Uh, Scott picked a scene from Toy Story three. I'm gonna pick one from Toy Story. Uh, chasing the van. Uh, chasing the moving van. It's the it's the climax of the movie um it's sort of it's the first time we see really buzz and woody like their friendship sort of blossom after they have that whole talk um in sid's room um i just find this thing like absolutely riveting and enduring um i really love the moment when scott is like biting onto woody and is about to pull him that moment when woody says take care of andy for me just like honestly is like really like emotional for me and then buzz sacrifices himself to scott like just really like that scene and then Woody uses RC to help Buzz, and then you have the moment where they they light the rocket, um, which is just really funny. The Woody's like facial expression during that is is really good. But um, then when they of course go up, and then Buzz is like, "We're gonna fly," and then falling in style. It's just like that character arc for for Buzz is like, I I may not be able to fly, but I can at least do something. And I really think uh, it's uh, just like beautiful moment for both characters, and I. Once um, patron, um, once um, Letterbox allowed the uh, change the the poster changing uh, ability, I changed the Toy Story poster to the part where they're like flying because I thought it's a really beautiful scene. And yeah, they go back to Andy's uh, uh, Andy's care. Uh, yeah, Toy Story. I like the Toy Story movies. Um, I don't connect with them. You know, I mean, I was I wasn't a kid when they came out, so I don't I don't have that kind of like connection nostalgia for them. Um, but this is just a really well written movie. Um, and I, I love a movie that has like where you have two characters with like cr like crisscross character arcs. You know, it's like Woody's, you know, Buzz starts out, he, he doesn't rely, you know, he doesn't accept that he's a toy. And, you know, that's all, that's Woody's whole world. And this scene, when they, when they call back to, you know, Buzz, we're flying. No, we're just falling in style. It's such a great moment because that's the moment where, you know, Buzz accepts that he is a toy, but Woody accepts that it uh, comes to understand that, yeah, they're toys, but they can do more and they can be more. So I think that's just a great moment for both those characters and just a great, you know, finish to that story. Um, and it's a great, like, animated action scene, too. It's a lot of fun. Um, and just, I love, it's, it does what Pixar does best, like, cr like create that the world for those characters exist in and then just, let them loosen it and i think it really is fun like just how they you know they, the way they use rc and the way you know they use uh slink and everything um it's just really cool so um yeah no that's a really good pick everybody else on the uh moving van scene toy story yeah i mean just like the ambition of the scene is really great because obviously um 
you know, the animation by today's standards probably isn't the greatest, but um, when you understand the context of like this being the first computer generated animated, fully computer generated animated film, um, it's crazy to think they would even like attempt something like this, like a full on action scene, you know, with cars chasing and everything. Um, and it's still, I mean, it still holds up pretty well visually from, from that perspective. So I, yeah, I like it as a, as an animated action scene. Um, and like the, again, understanding it in context, but yeah, the emotional stuff works really well too. I mean, it, it's what toy story does best. Yeah. Um, finally, a... you shut up, Jack. Uh, finally, <laughs> finally, uh, finally you picked the toy story. Like there's a toy story scene that, um, actually has emotion and not like manipulation of the audience to make them think that they're going to burn a bunch of toys, uh, burn them alive. Um, so that one, this one's a really good choice. Um, I almost had it on my list, but it was so hard. It's like picking children at this point. Like there's so many toy story and there's so many moments. So I just didn't, I figured I'd get into a, a hole and just pick too many. And then Kirk would be like, well, it's they're drawn. So is there real like things happening on scene or is this just <laughs> the person behind the computer? Um, that could have happened. Uh, what? Uh, you're, you're <laughs> what a grumpy old man. You're a grumpy old man. Just deal with it. Um, uh, <sighs> but no, what he says is we're not, Shut your mouth. Um, uh, we're not aiming. No, who show? Who sh who show? Shut your mouth. That's all I ask. I will re. I will recast the show tomorrow. Um, uh, we're not aiming for the truck. Is like one of the best like lines from this. Like it's like, like to get him back to Andy. It's it's a brilliant scene. Good choice. Uh, oh, yeah, I haven't talked yet. Yeah, this is a great scene. Between the two, uh, I do have a soft spot in my heart for Toy Story 3, so I do tend to go back to that one more in the incinerator scene. It's uh, great, but this is, the, this is uh, objectively, this is the scene from Toy Story. This is the one that started it all, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. Great scene. All right, uh, uh, Jake, that is your number 95. All right, so 95. Uh, I'm going to talk about one of the greatest character introductions of all time. You see a guy, a cover of Hotel California starts to play. He grabs his bowling ball. He licks it a little bit, and then he takes the ball. You see his name, Jesus. He's the Jesus. I'm talking about the Jesus' intro in The Big Lebowski. Um, even just the part where Walter and the dude are just talking about like Jesus's backstory, how he exposed himself to an eight-year-old and he had to go to every uh, house and say he was a pederast. <laughs> and he comes up to them and uh, nobody fucks with the Jesus. And then he does that weird thing with the, he's like wiping the bowl. Like, <laughs> just incredible. I mean, I, I heard that was an improv uh, part by Totoro and he wanted to do that. And the cons were like, yeah, that's hilarious. Just do that. Um, just really, like, for a character that it's only that only appears in, like, two scenes of the movie, he really leaves uh, such a, a resonance with the character, because, uh, with, with the audience, because of how memorable he is. I mean, he even spawned his own spin-off movie that apparently sucked. Uh, but, like, they just, it really shows how powerful a character can be when he appears in two scenes. His name's The Jesus, and he's played by John Turturro. Uh, really uh, just incredible, uh, inc an incredible performance for someone who's in the movie for, like, five minutes um yeah i think this is just absolutely hilarious and beautiful yeah definitely not a pick i would have thought of um but it is amusing 
Um, I'll give it to you because I, I love movies where characters take things way too seriously. Like they just something really stupid, mundane, and it's like the most important thing. And just the way Bullet in general is treated this, you know, when John Goodman pulls the gun and everything. But the way he's supposed to be like, I don't even know, like some kind of like sex symbol or something, you know, strut out there with the uh, with the bully ball and all that. And it's just ridiculous. And that's funny. His performance and the way they intercut it with him, like, you know, knocking on the neighbor's doors and like just showed him like <laughs> as this like pathetic little, you know, little man. And they cut back to him and he's doing, you know, playing the music. He's got the bully ball and everything. So, yeah, that's I mean, I don't love this movie. Um but I enjoy. Um, I think he is. It, it's it's an interesting scene. Um, Ninety five. Uh, I'll allow it. Everybody else on the Jesus intro in the middle of us. Still haven't finished the movie. Disappointment. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, this is not my favorite scene. More to come on that potentially, but. Um, it is a great scene. I mean, yeah, eight-year-olds, dude. I mean, that's just an incredible <laughs> line. Um, the whole the whole scene is great. All of the Jesus's appearances are great, and yes, of course, the running commentary uh, from the dude and Walter and um, and Donnie is what also makes the scene. Uh, everybody knows how I feel about this movie, um, and this scene isn't one of those reasons that the movie definitely does not work. For me, it's uh, I like John Turturro, but it's completely overdone and annoying. So, no thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake, yeah, that's your number 94. Then. Oh, when is Mean Kirk gonna show up? By the way, are we gonna have to wait till 60s till we see like you give us all passes for our choices or what? I'm just curious because Venom has been on this list and we're and he's still walking, which is in, in yeah, because I, I kind of want to ignore that it happened. So, <laughs> oh, okay. understand. Uh, number ninety-four. Uh, I'm going with uh, the "I'm glad it was you" scene from Road to Perdition. Yikes! All right, uh, Scott, let's go take it over to you. You're ninety-seven. All right, at number ninety-seven, I know this is not a yikes. Uh, this is the kill scene from Thoroughbreds. Oh no! Um, who? <laughs> um, this is a really underrated movie spoiler alert I guess because this is at the end of the movie but uh, this is a really underrated um, movie and it's about two teenage girls who try to kill the you know toxic stepfather of one of them um, and the movie the climax is this scene when the two girls are on the couch uh, Lily which is Anya Taylor-Joy and Amanda which is Olivia Cook. Um, and there's multiple sort of twists in the scene. It starts with, um, you know, Lily tries to stop Amanda from drinking her drink because she says, oh, I drugged it, and I was actually going to frame you for the murder. And then Amanda decides to drink it anyway. Um, and so then the the Lily, which is Annie Taylor-Joy's character, goes upstairs to, you know, to perform the murder. The camera holds on the lifeless quote-unquote lifeless figure of amanda who is um, just like you know take drunk drunk the drugs now and is, is passed out um and so we don't actually see it happening and then um lily comes back down on the couch covered in blood and like gives her a hug and it's a perfect like image that sums up what the movie is about um these people who like really don't know how to make a connection don't really even know how to express emotion like that's a huge theme in the movie and 
you have this like final image of um, on the one hand, it's like a loving gesture of giving someone on a hug, but on the other hand, it's like betrayal because she's also covering her in the blood and like handing over the dagger and basically uh, framing her for the murder. And because of how brilliant the performances are in the movie, you know, you don't know what her real motivations are, how she really feels about the situation, whether Lily, again, Annie Taylor-Joy is actually just faking this emotion, pretending this emotion, because again, that's a huge theme throughout the movie. Or does she actually have any regrets about what she did? Um, so it's like a great, like that last image again of them together on the couch is like haunting um, and a perfect way to just sort of crystallize the themes of the movie. It's been a while since I've seen this, um, so I don't have like full memory um, of, of everything that goes down here. But I do like the fact, I thought, I remember no, thinking that the scene was handled very well like you said it all builds up to whether or not they're going to do this and the tone of the movie is one of those ones like okay are they going to pull it off you're not sure if they're going to do it or not and if they do how's it going to be handled because again it's one of those it's like a dark comedy and it's walking a thin line and i think it handled the actual murder scene very well um so again i mean it's kind of a, definitely not a left field pick for 97 i'm not going to kill you um i know it's going on to enjoy it so you got to get her on your list, and I, I'm gonna let you slide on that. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, it's 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 a like I, I think the movie's pretty good. But like I said, I liked how they handled the uh, the finale here. Uh, has anybody else seen this? I have, yes. Um, good scene. Uh, it's really effective how it just doesn't even focus on the murder itself. It, you just see drugged out Olivia Cook snoring on the couch, and then you just hear like, "What's is it? Ergo- it's the ergometer. Like he's just that's the machine he's used to work out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you, throughout the movie, you just Elip- constantly or hear that. Or like that yeah. You just constantly hear the sound of that the exercise machine, machine, and then there's a point where it just it stops. You don't hear anything. Um, yeah, really effective sound, um, and just like a, an effective scene for something that's that's very simple. I've seen it, but it's been a really long time since I've seen it again. So, um, but I remember enjoy like liking it for some. But I can't remember the scene that well. So, but for you, it makes sense. Yeah, this is one I've been meaning to watch because the director of this made one of my favorite films of uh, 2020. And uh, so I've been meaning to watch it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. So I muted. uh, So I wouldn't have it spoiled. All right. Um, Scott, 96. Um, okay, my number 96 is The Highway Chase from... No, that's my 95, Holtzman. <laughs> that's supposed to be my 95, so maybe they got swapped, but... Um... I didn't put these graphics yeah, here. No, I know. I, 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 of... The word highway chase are out. nowhere in this set of 10 movies. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Um, so, so what good. do you, ha- what do you say, have as well? Just yeah, okay. you, you're 96. 96 is, yeah. yeah, my 96 is the highway chase from Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, hold on. Um, somebody has that later. Yeah, yeah, yikes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this episode, right. my 95 is the nightclub scene from Collateral. Yikes. Okay, right. I hope this is right. Uh, my 94. Uh, is from Zodiac. It's uh, it was Lee is the name of the scene. Uh, yeah. Is that the interrogation? No. This oh is- no no no. Okay okay. Cool. 
Um, okay, cool. Spoiler alert, um, for sure. So Zodiac is one of my top ten movies of all time, but this is one of the of a few movies where I struggled. Like, what is the scene from this movie? Because I just think like the whole scene um, is you know really really good, uh, or the whole movie is really really good, and there's not like one you know necessarily standout sequence. Um, so that's why the scene comes a little bit lower than you might expect. But um, the scene I chose is this scene. This is where Jake Gyllenhaal's Robert Graysmith goes to the jail to talk to um, Clea Duvall, who is the sister of um, the first victim that we see, Darlene, um, in the movie, and is trying to get some information out of her about, um, you know, in, any sort of clues. And she um, lets on that her sister Darlene had this one, you know, really weird boyfriend who was giving giving her all these gifts and whatever. And it kind of sounds like a, and all and bragged about killing someone. It sounds like, oh, maybe this is this could be the Zodiac. And so Gray Smith is like trying to force her to remember the name. Um, and, he, you know, this is when they're focused on this guy, Rick Marshall, as being the Zodiac. So he's like, the name was Rick. And she's like, no, he's like, are you sure it was Rick? It wasn't Rick. Um, and he's, you know, cause he's like, at this point, he's so deep in, he's lost his wife and everything. He's so obsessed. Um, and then, um, you know, she's like, no, it wasn't Rick. And he just like resigns and gives up and he starts walking away and she goes, it was Lee. And it's just like this great mic drop moment, because of course we know that Lee is, uh, John Carroll Lynch's character that, um, was the earlier suspect that got ruled out because of the handwriting sample not matching up um and it's a moment where it all just sort of clicks into place and you know it ends up following up with him going to dave totsky's door and knocking on it and saying hey we gotta get you know it, it was lee allen um and so you know it's it's a great satisfying moment a great satisfying scene that really rewards the journey that you go on with this case they could have very i mean the case is unsolved they could have very easily um just left it open right uh been true to the facts and said um we don't know who it is but um i like that they took a point of view and a perspective and said hey we think based on the clues and you know fincher and james vanderbilt really did their research on this movie we think it was lee allen um and you know we think we've made a convincing case against him so it's it's satisfying maybe in, in ways that these types of movies aren't necessarily always, especially when you consider what the, how the true story has gone. So amazing film, great scene. Yeah, this one, when I saw this on your list, I, it was kind of baffling because the scene isn't bad, but I think it's all, it's a, it's a solid moment, but I don't, see it as like a heat because i mean it's like a dun dun duh kind of kind of scene but i think this movie's filled with those um and i think there's some that, that just have more like energy or emotion or whatever um so i i just th this wasn't the moment in the movie that stood out to me i know it's kind of you know an important moment for you know, in the case of that character but just as far as the scene itself didn't do a ton for me uh everybody else on the scene from zodiac I'm really big on Zodiac. It's it was in my top 100. I would think it was in my top 30. Um, I think the movie's actually brilliant. I'm same way. Like, hint, there might be more for me coming up from this movie. But I struggled with picking scenes too. But this was not close to my list. I liked the scene a lot, but overall, it wasn't the one that I had to go with. Yeah, uh, there. 
uh, I did have a few Zodiac scenes in mind and I did struggle a lot with uh, uh, picking which, uh, it, which one, if any of them are uh, on this list. But uh, this wasn't the ones I, uh, one of the ones I thought of, but I'm glad you uh, brought it up because it did remind me of how much I do love, really like the scene. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen this, so I can't really remember the scene itself. But uh, I, the way Scott was describing it, it was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I, I do need to rewatch Zodiac. Um, it's been like eight years. So, um, but yeah. Okay, this brings us to the top three of the night. Uh, Jack, we'll come back to you, number 93. All right. I'm sorry, Scott. Uh, my number 93 is live with Murray Franklin from Joker. All right. Uh, this scene is phenomenal. Uh, I think this is one of the best acted scenes uh, in the last, well, in, in the year it came out, one, definitely one of the best acted scenes. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is giving his all in this scene, well, in the whole film, but in this scene in particular. Uh, his interview with Murray uh, goes from... Uh, Murray, like, uh, throwing some almost playful uh, jabs at Arthur uh, about, and uh, and then the second you see Arthur turn, uh, you see him turn, and you just go, oh, no, something bad is, uh, is going to happen. And you knew something bad was going to happen the whole time, but when you, when, when you finally, uh, also, spoiler alert for people that haven't seen Joker, but you've seen Joker, so whatever. When he shoots Murray, uh, the scene is just takes such a turn. Uh, he that it's one of the craziest theater viewing experiences I've had. Uh, I saw it with a bunch of my friends, and then that moment uh, happens, and all of us just fly back in our seats. And I saw it the next day with Cam. And seeing him react the exact same way was just a whole lot of fun. But uh, it's it's a brilliant moment in this film. I love it to pieces. This scene is tough because, again, it's become such a meme that it's hard to judge it on its own merits. Um, it's a well-done scene. It's a well-acted scene. I think my biggest problem with it is my problem with the movie in general, especially in the third act. Um, I know he's the main character of the movie, but I just don't feel like you should be sympathizing at all with the Joker. And I don't think he's necessarily sympathetic, but I think they give him, they give him a platform, I guess. And it's not just this scene. It's other things in the movie where it's like, he, sh the Joker should like, I don't want to, I just feel too comfortable with the Joker. I don't. I, I know. I know too well where he's coming from. By the end of the scene, and I, to me, that's not the Joker. Like to, to me, the Joker is, um, you know, what Heath Ledger does, where you just never know what he's going to do next. And mm -hmm. I mean, he shoots Murray, and I mean, I think that that was the right move for the character. But I think other than that, I think it's just too much. Like I said, it's it's. I don't know. It's hard to explain how I feel about this. Again, it's not. It's not a bad. It's not a bad movie scene. Um, I think it's, it, on a technical level, it's very well. It's, it's just one of those things where I think for the character, it was a little bit the wrong direction. Um, but I understand why, why you would enjoy it. Everybody else saw in, uh, Murray Franklin from The Joker. I'd like to hit Scott's uh, opinion first on this one, to be honest. Oh, I was going to say I'll go last. But yeah, I uh, mean, a couple, a couple of things. 
I mean, first of all, it's taken from other movies, right? You know, this is this is network. This is the king of comedy. Like we've seen this thing before. Um, we've seen most things in Joker before. Two, this is just sure, pure shock value. If we're being honest, like the movie, kind of as Kirk is alluding to, it doesn't really have anything to say. It is just a big cynical shrug. And uh, this scene is the embodiment of that. Rather than go somewhere interesting, it goes in, you know, the direction to, you know, get that moment, right, that Jack's talking about where you, you fly back in your seat because, oh, wow, the, you know, he, he went there. He, you know, the, the horrible act of violence has been committed. But it doesn't mean anything. Nothing in Joker really does. Um, I like the scene. It's it's, it's alright. It's just like it's not one that holds any sort of like emotional weight or like uh, impact. I guess a lot of people uh, love the shit out of the scene, uh, uh, but which is fair. But I just yeah, I've never really like uh, had much of a, a reaction to the scene other than uh, he killed him and he said, "You want to hear a joke or whatever." It's like this whole movie in general is 50%. It's cool to hate it. It's cool to like it at the same time. Overall, I like the movie a whole lot. I think the movie is uh, interesting um, in the world of creating the Joker character as is. Um, the reason why I think the Murray Franklin scene works is because at that time, no one knows what he's done. Only he knows what he's done. And he they brought him there to laugh at him. And he, and he gets the final gag. And anarchy basically ensues after that. And, like, I think that's the brilliance of the scene. I think the shock, yeah, that he kills Franklin at the end, which is, like, everybody's like, ha, ah, I kind of, like, I don't know. I You don't have to be, like, a complex, like, to figure out which way that was going. I think that was pretty much telegraphed pretty quickly what was going to happen. Especially, like, when that previous in that scene, they introduce him and he's like, Hey, will you call me Joker? That's what you called me on your show. Call me Joker. And like brought him out there to like publicly humiliate him. And he got the last laugh. I, I mean, overall, say what you want. I think the scene's good. The only reason I didn't pick the scene is because I think it was, um, I think what Kirk said, it's been mean to death at this point. And I, I, my overall thing is I love, I love Joker like as is but i don't i couldn't narrow down a scene that i absolutely love from jo like i love a lot of the scenes and i would be picking a ton at that point there's like one in the apartment that i would say i think is the best scene um but overall i'm glad you guys brought it up so you can talk and scott hates you more than he hates me so that's perfect all right uh cody that takes us to your 93 uh so yikes for this episode i did the highway chase uh terminator 2 judgment day um uh does anybody else anybody else besides scott okay good okay um i i th i still think this is like one of the best sequels that has ever been made um and i think it's what they're able to accomplish it's basically what terminator it's kind of it's kind of cameron's like calling card when he does like sequels really like the first one could be i think the first terminator is a horror movie i think absolutely 100 like basically thriller horror like it is intense, blah, blah. This one, more of an action movie. He flips on his head. Same thing he does with Alien and Aliens, regardless how you feel about it. I think this one where it works. I don't like Aliens as much as I love Alien, but this one, I think I think it almost improves. It carries that story, and this scene where they're able to build on, like, talk about practical effects. Those are the most brilliant things, you know, what they're able to do with, with the scene and create such an intense chase down the scene. And, like, 
I've looked at the backstory of like how they were able to like film this scene and like how they basically had to redirect the water so it doesn't go down there. So because they had to drive through this thing and make it seen. Um, and basically it takes Arnold, it takes Terminator and makes him a good guy at this one. So you basically, the guy you were terrified in the first one is now the guy you got to trust. Um, I think it's just brilliant. Uh, and the, and the giant, uh, 18 wheeler just coming off that bridge, like launching down. is just one of the coolest shots in film history. Uh, I didn't want to put it too high. Cause I think it's one of those action scenes gets talked about a lot. So I didn't want to, but I feel like wrong if I don't include this. Cause I think this is arguably one of the best action scenes has ever been filmed. Scott. So this is actually kind of funny. Cause I think there are two highway chase scenes and, Cody picked one of them, and I actually was intending to pick the other one because you you chose the one that happens during the daytime, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm picking the one that happens oh. at the end of the movie. When I knew this was going to happen on the show. Yeah, I had a feeling because I was like, you were describing. I was like, wait, which high? Yeah, that's yes. fine. <laughs> I, I guess I should have clarified now in retrospect. But anyway, um, I have the one when they're heading to the steel factory at the end of the movie. It starts off with the T1000 in the helicopter, and the police helicopter like chasing after them, and you know, Arnold is like, Sarah gets shot in the leg, first of all, but then Arnold is like pulling out the shotgun and firing them. Basically, um, he ends up having to like turn the the van on its side. They end up like ha each having to switch cars. Like, um, you know, one of them is in a pickup truck. And um, again, they're sh firing the shotgun out of it. It's all, the, it's all about the practical effects. And I wanted to have a Cameron scene on here because I do love him so much as a filmmaker. And I couldn't just put like the second half of Titanic, which is like <laughs> one scene. But um, so this is the one. I mean, yeah, the practical effects are, are you know, the best that have ever been probably. Um, and that just adds so much to the scene, in my opinion. It's not just like the principle of it. Like, because it looks like, yep, there, that's a real helicopter crashing, right? That's a real truck crashing. Like you feel it when you are watching the scene. Um, but also it's at the point, it's at a point in the movie when, what is happening with the characters, which again, I think is what is so strong about Terminator 2 is the character work as well, um, means a lot too. So while you are, you know, engrossed in the action, you're also worried about Sarah and John and, you know, the Terminator and what's going to happen. Um, and it ends with them like skidding into the steel factory. Um, just a great ending. All right. Uh, yeah, we knew this would probably happen. We were talking about scenes. It's not as clean as movies. It's not as clean as performances. Some wonky stuff might happen like that. That's okay. Uh, we'll talk about both of them. Uh, I also assumed we were only talking about Cody's uh, scene. Uh, so I, I didn't rewatch yours, Scott. Um, I do remember it's really good. Uh, my, my biggest memory is of him pour, like him busting into the, the windshield of the helicopter and pouring in and that effect. I thought mm -hmm. it was really cool. Um, but no, it's a great scene too. Uh, but yeah, the truck chase is like you said, just the fact that they like really closed down the LA River. They were really driving through it, and the, um, you know, just that truck coming down. This is like the towards the beginning of the movie where you really start to figure out what's going on with the original Terminator uh, versus you know the new one, uh, and just coming to that realization and then having the scene be how that story, that part of the story is told, is really cool. So um, I think both solid picks uh, from a solid movie. Um, Jake and Jack, you got opinions on either one of these scenes? Um, I I really do like the the beginning chase or that the chase in the uh, 
I don't know what you want to call that, but the the initial chase, the opening that Cody's talking about, um, it's really well done. Um, but I do really love the yeah the highway chase or Scott's uh, choice a lot. Um, as far as just like this is like in the climax and this is it. This is like no holds barred. With this is it. This is there's going to be an, a definitive ending to these characters at some point. Um, but I absolutely love when uh, Arnold gives um, well the T800 gives uh, John Connor control of the wheel while he yeah. gets. Truck onto the hood of the tr- of um of the whatever the liquid nitrogen truck and then just shoots a bunch of bullets into the T one thousand. Completely real. There was no wires. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually did that. It was extremely dangerous. And James Cameron says that he would have never done that ever again, or would have if he realized how dangerous that would have been. Uh, but he did it because that's why Arnold Schwarzenegger is a fucking movie star and made so much money for that movie. Um, incredible stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, I do love the highway chase, like the night chase at the end. But when I think of this movie, the first thing that the first scene that pops into my head is the chase uh, with the four, with the eighteen wheel wheeler and the motorcycle. Just an incredible moment. Uh, I remember, like here, I it took me a long time to finally see this movie, and when I finally saw it, I was completely oblivious to the Arnold is the uh, is a good guy in this movie. Uh, early movie twist, just because I had avoided uh, a lot of spoilers like the plague for this. And so seeing that happen and just being utterly shocked is just so much fun to see. Uh, and yeah, no, Arnold's great in both scenes. So, All right, that's us straight now. Uh, Jake, you're 93. Uh, my number 93, I imagine this will probably get yikesed. Uh, I've called this the you're going the wrong way uh, scene from planes, trains, and automobiles. Yikes. Mess around also, as I call it. So, yes. All right. Uh, Scott, you're 93. This might be a yikes as well. I have uh, Drive It Like You Stole It from Sing Street. All right, cool. Um, I don't even know that this is my favorite song in in uh, in Sing Street, even though I feel like it is like the, the conventional favorite. I think I like Up maybe a little bit more. But as a scene, this is like the scene because it's the whole fantasy, like back to the future-ish style, uh, you know, f- fantasizing about the perfect scenario of um, what's going to happen at the dance, right, which is that everyone's happy again, right? The, his brother's gonna show up wearing the cool jacket. His parents are gonna be back together. Of course, Rafina's gonna be there and like in love with him and everything. Um, and it's it's all about the fantasy of the moment. And the song is like, so, you know, great and upbeat and um, matches like the the carefree recklessness sort of of, of, uh, of what he's, he's fantasizing about. Um, and you know, the, the costumes, the production design, all of it just is perfect in this scene. Um, and it just really captures the heartfeltness, which I think is, you know, so great about this movie and which resonates and which keeps me coming back to this movie over and over again. So, um, the combination of the song, the technical aspects and like what it emotionally means for, uh, Connor and the other characters um, is why it's so meaningful. Cool. All right, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is this def for me definitely isn't the best song in the in the movie, but I think it is one of the best scenes. Um, I don't know if it would be my favorite, um, but it's definitely up there. Um, but yeah, just like you said, how like it transitions into the fantasy, 
uh, how it's set up, how he's like, if you see Back to the Future, and then like it goes into like a Back to the Future scene, and just how that ties into like all the different '80s connections that you know their different songs and you know different parodies have, um, and just how it shows you like the psyche of the character, like you said, like how he wants to, like everything that he wants, like what's what's on his mind, what's weighing on him, what does what does he want to see resolved? I think that's a really good job to just of how they show like into his mind, uh, you know, not just you know, just with everybody. Uh, and my my favorite part is like when it like smash cuts back to like reality, mm-hmm. and you had like it's like this giant dance number, and then you smash cut, and it's just like these like half a dozen Scottish kids like dancing or Irish kids jam, yeah, dancing really bad. Um, I, I I think that's just such a such a great edit. Um, but no, yeah, like I mean, you could pick any song. You could have picked any song from this movie or any you know, scene of a song, and I definitely would have given you a pass because I think they're all really good. Um, but this one's definitely towards the top. Uh, everybody else on Drive Like You Stole It. I haven't seen Sin Street, but I like the song a lot. I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, um, I'm surprised you're still in the Kingston. Um, overall, uh, uh, I, I don't love, I don't hate the movie. I don't love the movie, but uh, this is a great scene from the movie. I wouldn't have put it on my list, but it, it definitely deserves a spot for the people that like this movie a lot. So, good choice. All right. Uh, Jack, number 92. All right. My number 92 is the car slash train chase from uh, the French Connection, or Popeye Doyle's chasing the, uh, the elevated train. This scene is incredible. Easily one of the greatest uh, chase scenes in film. Uh, words. No, uh, I can't think of... I think can't think of words. Uh, this... If you look up how they uh, shot this scene, like how uh, how the scene was shot, how they uh, tried to get uh, permits to shoot it, but they uh, uh, to close streets, but uh, they weren't allowed to, so they just shot it anyway. And there's actual unplanned collisions in the scene. Uh, uh, I can't think of actor's name. Popeye Doyle. Uh, Gene Popeye Doyle. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Thank you. Why the hell am I? Why did I blank on his name? I don't know. Gene Hackman uh, is just great in this film, specifically this one scene. And uh, when it, uh, spoiler alert for whoever hasn't seen The French Connection, uh, when he finally catches the train and he shoots the the hitman in the back, just an ultimate satisfying moment in that movie. Uh, I was not sure what to expect going into it, but it more than lived up to the hype for me. The scene is incredible. I came to this movie really late. Um, and this scene suffers from severe overhype for me. Um, because, you know, my whole life I was told, this is the greatest chase scene you've ever seen. This is the greatest chase scene you've ever put to film. And I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, that's all right. Um, I think the behind the scenes stuff that you mentioned is much more interesting and when you watch it you know than the actual scene and when you watch it with that lens knowing that like it's cooler to watch but i just i don't think anything that happens here lives up the heights a cool chasing but i think i've seen better 70s action movie chasings than what's what's here so um again not a terrible scene um but i don't know if it's top 100 worthy personally and i don't i just don't think it's as great as everybody says it is uh everybody else on the french connection chase 
Well, now that this is on the list, I can't wait for Steve McQueen's bullet to make the list for car chase scenes that end up on like a top 100 scenes list for everybody. Um, well, they're good scenes. The French, uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, they're there because of what they were ac- accomplished at the time. Overall, they're better chase scenes now. Putting film. Um, uh, again, you know, they start with something and technology gets better. That's why phones are better than what they used to be. Um, uh, anyways, on this is, um, I, I'm the same way with Kirk. French Connection, I've never understood the hype. I think this movie is a bad movie, if we're being real. I do not like this movie at all. I think it's a complete overhype of what this movie is. Um, but I'm the same way. I've had grandparents, I've had everybody tell me, like, this is the movie. This ain't the movie. This is not the movie. I've had my grandfather tell me more about the French Connection than he did the Godfather. So, I think what it did, what it was able to accomplish, like the setup and stuff, if this was behind the scenes, sure, I think that's very cool. Um, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I'll, I'll tend your film theory class or your breakdowns one day, but otherwise, I don't think it's relevant. Overall, just... It's one of those typical things that I expected when people like search scenes, and this would have been on there. Not for me. Um, that's, honestly, that's, I honestly can't remember whether I've seen this movie or not. I think I saw it maybe like years ago on AMC or something, but I really don't have that much memory of it. Of course, I know that this is like, you know, hyped as the, the greatest car chase of all time, but I don't remember it, so I can't really comment on it. Yeah, I haven't seen the whole movie. I've seen chunks of it on TV just every now and then. Um, but I have seen the scene. I think it's a really good scene. I mean, it reinvented the whole car chase, like for like the modern sort of realistic, uh, for the way it uses uh, camera placements and the cinematography. Um, and the way they, well, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, when uh, I completely lost my thought, thanks, stupid. Check and mate. That's all um, I have to say. Check and mate. Correct. Just there. <laughs> hey, Holzman. Just uh, he just made I'm my dead inside. I'm not even talking about baby driver, but I'm just saying new dead check and mate. Thank you. That was perfect. Thanks, Holzman. All right. Um, that was 92. We are on to Cody's 92. I say all that shit that I have my 92. Okay, so no one will tell me that this scene is not one of the most incredible scenes of all time for my age um, when I saw this. Um, there was a movie of from a director that I despise. I think he's a, a human piece of garbage of a director. I don't think he should ever touch film again. Who? <laughs> but he made, he made one movie and one absolute scene that I still to this day love. This is madness. No, this is Sparta from 300. I love this scene and I will always love this scene. When he comes in and just like, you should have chosen your words better. <laughs> he called my wife and then like the, the kick, the slow mo, everything Snyder has like built his career on is in this scene, and it works. It works so well. I can't. I again. I just think the me talking shit about the French connections, like car seat. I picked this as Sparta as my next one, but overall, I stand by it. Um, just like how it's completely like set up and stuff, and then just 
now everybody's crying in my house. It's a great day. Um, but no, the slow motion kicked out of the thing because it just turns really quick because he shows up at the thing and they're having this meeting. And of course, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Um, everybody, um, the the thing is like, um, it like flips so quickly and like everybody in Sparta just has like a perfect, um, giant hole, giant pit in their town to kick people down. And they were standing right in front of it. So yeah, this is Sparta. I watched it last night and I was like, this is perfect. It should be higher, but to save myself, I put it at 92 (laughs) because overall I could have had this in the top 40 and been, and justified it. Oh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is rough because I remember watching this in 2006 and being like, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, this is like in the Joker category where it's like super meme now, but uh, like, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't like for 300, I think there might be some other scenes I'd put on here um, if I would do, but yeah, this is this, and it, it's a good, like, great character moment for Leonidas. Like, it tells you exactly what he's all about. Um, so I'm not, it's, it's not a good scene, but I'm not going to rake here with the cold for it too hard. Good. It's kind it's, it's kind of good in it's badness. So, um, everybody else on this is Sparta for 300. Yes! I've never seen the movie. I've seen the scene a bunch of times and so many stupid YouTube edits and all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I have to say. Exactly yeah. what Jake just said. Haven't seen the film, seen the scene more times than I can count. I want to see it someday. I own it on Blu-ray. I just haven't seen it. And I also haven't seen the movie. Uh, for once, Cody and I agree about a director uh, something. <laughs> you see All right, Jake, uh, you're 92. Uh, well, everyone really liked that I had a scene from Hulk. So let's have another scene from Hulk. Hey, Todd, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I uh, it's I don't know if what what it's gonna say in the banner, but Kirk had to like ask what, specifically what the scene is. Cool, that is the scene I'm talking about. Puny human, uh, Hulk makes it to San Francisco, and then he's attacked by a bunch of planes. He saves one of the planes from crashing to a into the bridge. Uh, you know, he's he's still a hero at heart, and the plane goes really way up high into the atmosphere, uh, causing uh, Hulk to uh, fall into the ocean. (laughs) Uh, I know, right? Um, And he has this whole sort of dream sort of uh, moment inside his conscious, his head, where Bruce Banner is um, shaving in the bathroom and he sees like the, uh, the, he sees something in the mirror and it's all foggy and he wipes it away. And there's the Hulk copying his, uh, his, his, his his motions it's duality of man shit and then he grabs and smashes through the mirror and it says puny human and then they both sort of like combine and then the scene continues just a really cool scene we don't in even just not in this movie but just in the other hulk movies we don't really see bruce banner and hulk interact and this is that one moment between them because they're two different uh consciousness uh conscious so I just like the idea that we see the duality of the character, of both characters, and how they have this sort of moment. And the fact that he Hulk says puny human, I just love. I really want to talk about this moment. It's just I find it uh, really cool. So, yeah. I get that you like, like, the internal struggle thing. 
but there's a lot of other crap in this scene too. Take everything I said about your last Hulk scene and multiply it by ten by this. Like <laughs> it just looks Hulk looks so bad in this. And I mean it's it's an action scene, so I'm basing it on the on the visuals. That scene where he's climbing up the the the, the, the airplane and his giant head is like just takes up the whole cockpit. It just it's it's he's a big boy. It's, it's but it, it's it's so it looks just looks so bad and you can't get away from that. Um, holy crap, Jake! Um, this is already too many Hulk scenes. Um, emotional, damn it! Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna make it through this whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I, two Hulk scenes, man. We're only in week one. <laughs> Crap! Everybody else, anybody else have anything to say about this? Anybody else remember this scene? Let alone what I'm I mean, about. one wrong puny human scene from said by a Hulk, but that's, that's fine. Nice. Um, and also, is there any more Hulk scenes on your list? Can I? Uh, yes. Oh my god! The way that you, you just said, "Oh, that's terrible. That is awful." Uh, gosh. Jack, congratulations! You have a clear cut not entering last this time. There's indication. <laughs> so yeah, that's crazy. Like I could, as soon as he started telling me the scene, I don't remember like the airplane like climb, but the wipe and the like the puny human. Gosh, that was bad yeah. in two thousand three. So I bet age did not help that scene. I have uh, nothing new to add from the last talk scene, but uh, go off. You, have not, you off. have not started watching that? Why, uh, <laughs> yeah. <in> your... <laughs> as soon as we're done here, I'm going to fire it up. I've got nothing to add. Just, <laughs> I'm just, just confusion. When Jack has nothing to say about yeah. your list, that's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott, 92. Uh, I have Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier from uh, the right stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, just the Chuck Yeager. <laughs> I didn't write these. Blame Carl. I mean, to be, to be fair, he kind of does when you watch the scene. He like goes somewhere else for a minute once the plane gets really fast. But it's funny that Top Gun Maverick came up because actually the first scene of Top Gun Maverick, where Maverick is trying to get to 10G is literally this scene from The Right Stuff um, where Chuck Yeager, Sam Shepard, is trying to... <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> is trying to break the sound barrier. And um, it's just thrilling to watch. And, like, you know, the, this version is even better than the Top Gun version because it's, like, it's 1982, so, like, they didn't have the same effects or whatever to make it look so sleek. And so, like... It, it the plane is rattling and like the you know meters and everything are going off the the chart and then yeah like Chuck Yeager starts to like go outside of himself basically because he get he's gotten uh, because he's going so fast and uh, it's messing with him um, and you don't know like is he going to come out of it okay like is he going to you know because he loses he even loses control of the plane for a little bit like is he going to be able to gain control obviously it's based on a true story but probably not one that everyone necessarily knows like chuck yeager is not necessarily a household name even here in the u.s um but this is a really like episodic movie um and the this is the first episode in the movie is like just chuck yeager's 
quest to do this um and like you know after several failed attempts and everything so it's a great sort of like triumph of the human spirit moment as well because of course he does make it out of there okay um in general this movie is phenomenal and it should be talked about more i think like in the community and everything if more people had seen it so um yeah i love this scene and movie <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> Um, I have not seen this movie since I was a young kid. Um, but when I did see it, I saw it a lot. It was like on HBO all the time, and my parents watched it pretty religiously. And this is the one scene I remember. Like, I don't have like super clear memories of it, but I remember this scene. So that's something about it. Let's you describe it. I went back and I, I tried to watch it online. I, I think the scene I watched might have been edited down because it was a lot shorter. It didn't really contain everything you're talking about so i'm gonna go check it out again yeah um and maybe find a better version but like i said um it's something i i that stuck with me all these years so that definitely says something for your scene uh everybody else on cuck breaking the right stuff <laughs> i've never seen the movie i've not seen the movie I, scott who plays chuck Egger? is that ed harris was that it's sam shepherd it's yeah. shepherd okay cool. i was yeah. just wondering because i was like if it was ed harris that would have been a cool uh, he plays john i think ed harris plays john glenn yeah. john glenn that's that makes sense yeah yeah cool just wanted to make sure i mean i've not seen the movie so. uh haven't seen it heard of it but i'm interested now all right uh that brings us to the number ones for the night the 91s starting with jack all right. Uh, this is a very personal scene to me. Uh, I do. Uh, I get it's not for everyone. However, I love Hacksaw Ridge, and my favorite scene in that film is the "Help Me Get One More" scene. This scene is fucking phenomenal. Uh, uh, Andrew Garfield giving his all in this scene. Uh, once, uh, basically in the scene, uh, the Japanese soldiers. Uh, 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 had, had a surprise attack on the uh, uh, on the Americans uh, early in the morning, and they all go back over uh, the ridge, except for Desmond Doss, uh, played by Andrew Garfield, and uh, he goes back and he saves seventy five more soldiers. Uh, and the you the you see the struggle that he goes through uh, in this scene. You see. Uh, <laughs> There, there's some really sweet moments in it too, like the the guy uh, that sa said, "I thought I was blind." Uh, just a really touching moment, and Andrew Garfield just giving the performance of his life in this. I love this scene so much. This is a really good pick. Uh, I would like to see it as well. Uh, I think first of all, Andrew Garfield does play it so great. It's a really good role for him. Um, and I also, it's just such a great payoff for the character because the entire movie is basically telling people are telling him how useless he's going to be, uh, with his beliefs and his convictions, how he's not going to be any, you know, help to anybody. And then he's able to pull this off and he's the only one who can do it. Um, I just love how he keeps going back. And I love the touch where he's like, you know, even sending out the Japanese soldiers and they're like, oh, none of them made it. But, um, you know, just like, just shows you just how, you know, strong his convictions are. Um, so yeah, I think this, the, the movie itself is hit or miss. Um, but holy crap, what a great ending. Uh, everybody else on, help me get one more Hacksaw Ridge. I've seen this movie. I know I've seen this movie. 
I cannot even tell you what the scene is. I cannot remember details and, and scenes from this movie because it has completely left my brain because of how unimportant this movie is to me. The movie itself, yeah, but this is the scene to choose if you're going to choose one. Um, it wouldn't make my it didn't make my list, but um, unlike unlike <laughs> Jake that forgot everything about the movie, this is the one scene that I definitely remember from the movie because it's the I mean it's the it's the the one thing that makes the movie like we said this about other movies I won't bring it up but like there's like a five star scene and like a four or three star movie. This is like that to me. I think the movie overall is not good, but this is the scene that elevates it to a point. So, yeah. Oh, uh, thank you, Chris. That's very kind. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. You and Google helped yeah. you out on this list. But that, Cody, again, that's what we're doing here. You know, it doesn't have to be a great movie; it just has to be a great scene. Uh, and with right. that, we go to your ninety-one. Uh, okay, so my 91, again, horror, not my cup of tea. Uh, this one had to be on there. I don't know if I'll talk about it, but we'll see. Uh, I went with The Sunken Place. Uh, get out. Um, I think it's, I think overall, when you talk about a scene like that, where she is sitting across, somebody help me with the actress's name. Catherine Keener. Uh, Catherine Keener. When she's sitting there with the cup. And they're just talking about it, and he—he he is just a phenomenal actor. I don't think he even gets the credit that he deserves of like how, because he is doing—he doesn't have anything to really do in the scene besides sit there and like have this blank stare and like the tears that roll down his face, and and she just keeps stirring the tea and then sink into the floor, and the entire shot and everything that's happening is like one of the coolest moments. I think this movie's very gets very overhyped like it gets to a degree so I understand especially in the either if it hasn't calmed down to this point for people but when you talk about the scene alone and like the helpless feeling that I had watching the scene for the first time because I mean this just ruins so many guys from going to their their girlfriend's family's houses. Like, absolutely, you don't trust in laws or relationships at at any point. Like, he just went and like, and he just having a normal conversation, and he's like, she's like digging into his past, and, like having these emotional arcs, and like, what you can you couldn't get away, and like you just see the tears roll, and then that that that. It's it's a gr the sound is so creepy because the questioning gets more and more intense and the like you hear the spoon against the cup more and more until it finally taps. And I think it just builds the right amount of suspense in this movie. And this is one of those scenes that that he deserves the credit for. Like Jordan Peele is like Hitchcock now to people. But, like, with this, I think he deserves, like, what he was able to achieve in this movie right here. So, the sunken place is mine. Yeah, this is a solid scene uh, because this is just a movie where you know something's off. And the main character knows something's off, but you don't know what. And you're on that journey with them to figure out. And this is a scene where you don't get the answers, but it kind of takes that next step. And build it up, like like you said, build up. His performance is so good. Um, just getting back into this, is where this is. I mean, this is where we. This is like the reveal of like his history, right? Like they don't, this is the mm -hmm. first time you hear about like when he was a kid, what happened. Um, yeah. And so just her, go, him going through that, 
and just sitting there and like you said the, the sound design is, is great with that scraping sound just oh just that like monotonous just continuously scraping and him just sitting there and then you get that tear and then it drops you know he drops into that you're like okay is this something supernatural what's happening here so you know now there's it, it's another level but you still there's still a huge mystery of what's causing this so um, yeah, really, really, like, again, like I said, I agree with you, Cody. I think the movie is a little overhyped, but the scene is just so perfectly crafted. Um, so definitely a good choice uh, for your list. Everybody else on The Sunken Place. I mean, great, iconic scene. I think it was bound to show up on somebody's list. Uh, I, I am also kind of surprised it was on Cody's, but hey, um, I, I think it deserved to be mentioned, even if it didn't make my list. Um I, not all of the horror stuff in this movie actually works for me, but that's more towards the end. I think um, this scene, you know, early on um, works really well for the reasons that you guys have mentioned, like Jordan Peele is really using like the whole medium from the, you know, the sound design, the look of it, the performers. Um, he's using all of that and maximizing the terrifying effect of, of what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I love the concept of the second place. It's like so terrifying to me, like the whole idea behind it. And I think what uh, people really like uh, visually pulls off what it would look like and how, how it's presented. Um, yeah. I mean, really good scene. You also just find out a lot about Chris during that scene and how his mom died in the, the hit and run crash and how that sort of traumas is there with him. Um, just, yeah, really, really good stuff. We lost Jack. We did lose Jack. I, I yeah, I was. I made a bet to myself about four internet failures um, in the first couple of weeks, and I'm already up on one, so I'm pretty good at covering that bet. All right. Well, we'll come back to him. Uh, no, he's here. Oh, he is. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Holtzman. Okay, Jack. What do you got on the second place? Uh, great scene. Uh, didn't quite make my list, but uh, honestly, if I were to if I were to add something on like last night, that would probably be it. Cause it's a fantastic scene. Sorry, my internet just crapped out for a second there. Uh, that's so sorry. Uh, Jake, give us your number 91. Uh, this, you know, I've had a lot of funny, goofy sort of scenes. I think I'm going to be a little bit more dramatic, a little more serious on this one. Um, it might surprise some people. Um, I'm going with a scene from the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Uh, Carmen calls her dad. Hey, Todd. What the fuck? Uh, this movie's incredible. Um, this is a really, really powerful scene. Um, so just a little bit of context. Uh, Carmen, played by America Ferrera, uh, is visiting uh, her dad uh, for the summer holidays. And to her surprise, uh, he's uh, currently engaged to a white woman uh, with uh, her two, uh, two kids. And throughout the trip, uh, he is constantly neglecting her and... He's acting like a completely different person and doesn't, uh, and she's just completely like confused and, and it's kind of mad at her. So there's a point where she leaves, leaves him and she decides to give him a phone call. And he, she just says, like, I'm, I'm mad at you, dad. Like, is there something wrong with me? Am I not the daughter that you want me to be? Like, I, I, um, one of the kids, um, sees his dad like every week. I see you twice a year. And it's a really powerful scene and just the emotional sort of moments that America Ferreira, see, fucking knew I was going to get someone. Uh, America Ferreira just like, is just like gut wrenching. It's just, she's just 
tears and just all the emotion that she's giving. Like, I'm mad at you, dad. And I just want to know, is there something wrong with me? Do you not love me the way you love your, your new family? And the same, and Bradley Whitford plays the dad. And I'm, I'm no Caleb Bowman. I'm not saying he's like the second coming of Christ, but he is really good and how understated he is. Like, he's just like, he feels like devastated, like what he has done. Um, and all he can say is that just, he just whispers, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then like, that's it. That's the whole phone call. And I'm just a really powerful scene. And like, this film was never going to get any Oscar attention, but like, and I don't want to be a Kingsman, but like, I think Carmen like could have definitely, uh, America Ferrara definitely is like really Oscar worthy in that scene and uh, really powerful stuff. And I just, it's a scene that really like connects with me. Um, I just, yeah, really, really powerful stuff. Okay. Full disclosure. I haven't seen the movie. Um, I read the I read the plot synopsis, and then so I so I had context. I should have told you to watch the news. And then I, I watched the scene. Um, is there a different Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants that you watched? Um, because uh. in this scene, America Farah is actively terrible. It is like amateur hour performance. It is oh, bad. It's like she's reading cue cards or something. She is really, really bad in this scene. Um, like, just, I, I, you know, Bradley Whitford, you talk about, his, he's barely, I don't even see his face. Like, the camera's over his shoulder and he's just like this. He's like, I'm yeah, sorry. Like, I'm sorry. And that's the entirety of his performance. And she is just god awful. Like, like, just she's like just over it's like it's she's it's like i i can't even describe how bad she is um she's just really really and i get she may be great in the rest of the movie and i really haven't seen her much so she might be a great actress overall but she sucks in this scene um go look it up on youtube if anybody doesn't believe me she's she's really bad um so i just don't understand how this is on your list because there are a million movies with a million scenes like this that are better um with more emotional you know oomph and better performances. Um, so how this one got here, I don't know. Um, has anybody else seen this? And does anybody else have any comment on this on, on the scene? So I haven't seen it. Uh, so I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm just confused. But, well, I, that, I don't care. I, I haven't heard the title, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, since my sisters brought this movie up in 2004 in the book. Um, I'm not, I haven't seen it. I have no clue, like whatsoever. I my this is my favorite thing about YLS, and it will always be my favorite thing is when somebody just passionately, so hard, like heartfelt love, and they put the, like they make like this delicious dish and put it out in front, and then a fucking semi runs the fucking thing over. That was Kirk on this, and I just, I just couldn't stop. Not that I agree or disagree, I was just dying because he's like, "Oh, it's Oscar worthy, fucking terrible!" <laughs> <laughs> it's complete opposite. So I'm just shocked this came up and how this beat Hulk. I'm really confused. It's crazy. I'm really shocked. I definitely took Kirk for a big Ugly Betty fan, but um, <laughs> I. Uh, I haven't seen this movie either. I would say the same thing that I said about Hulk, though. It seems like a movie that I would probably enjoy, if we're being quite honest. I think everyone here probably acknowledge that. So I'm definitely not. Hulk generally it. loves yeah. the movie, and I feel like he's great at yeah. recommending movies. So. Yeah, I'm not going to yuck Jake's pick here, certainly. All right, Scott, you get to close us out for the night. What is your number 91? 
All right, my number 91, the greatest road rage scene of all time, which is from David Lynch's Lost Highway. Um, so this is a, I was going to say it's a weird movie, but that probably goes without saying. Um, <laughs> it's kind of split into two halves. And the first half is this really like dark and disturbing, surreal story about uh, Bill Pullman getting a bunch of videotapes um, of his house. And then it like halfway through, and I don't want to say too much, but it becomes something different. It's about Balthazar Getty and it becomes this sort of small town classic Lynch, you know, Twin Peaksy style thing. And it has all of these small town oddities and stuff going on. And one of the oddities is this guy, Mr. Eddie, played by Robert Loja, who is we we quickly discover is like a mob boss and is is friends with um quote-unquote friends with Balthazar Getty's character. Balthazar Getty is a mechanic and does and helps him out um, with his car and stuff. And one day he take, decides to take him on a drive, um, the two of them and like three of, of Robert Loge's goons, and somebody ends up tailgating them on a mountain. And, he, you know, Robert Loge, this is the moment where we finally see, like, this guy is crazy and he's a, you know, mob boss and all this stuff. And he, you know, runs the car off the road. All of them, like, pull out their guns. They, you know, t pull, you know, rip the guy out of the car, like, are pistol whipping him, basically. And Robert Loja is just screaming in his face, like, about how much he hates tailgaters and, you know, how, what he's going to do to him and kill him and everything. And, um, you know, this was something that Joseph Olivas pointed out, and so credit to him, but Robert Loja was actually supposed to originally play Frank Booth in Blue Velvet. Um, but David Lynch like changed his mind at the last moment and cast Dennis Hopper instead. And apparently Robert Loja was really pissed, like made an angry phone call to David Lynch about it. And so David Lynch gave him this role. And you can almost see in this scene Robert Loja letting out all of his anger uh, from not getting cast in, you know, the iconic Frank Booth role from Blue Velvet. And obviously this didn't turn out to be as, as iconic of a role, but he is amazing in this scene and honestly in the whole movie. And it's so funny. Like I got to see this movie, the 4K restoration at my local indie theater a couple of months ago. And everyone in the theater was just busting out laughing in this scene. It's like, it shows you how deft that Lynch can be with humor. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere in this movie. Yeah, I was I was reading that same story that you were saying about you know what yeah. happened with Blue Velvet, and actually what happened, from what I understand, is that uh, you know Robert Loja just went off on a tirade on David Lynch uh, for what happened yeah. with Blue Velvet, and when uh, you know when Lynch made this movie, he called Robert Loja and said, "I want to cash this role," and he told mm -hmm. him, "Just do what you did in that scene." Mm -hmm. So what what Robert Loja is doing in that scene is actually. I guess pretty close to what he did, what he did, what he did, David Lynch, um, at least verbally. Uh, but no, it's yeah. I watched this, and I I, I wanted I've, I've been wanting to watch this for a long time, so this is like my my excuse to watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's top one hundred worthy, um, but I can see just from the entertainment value. Um, I think there are better scenes with just like you know freakouts like this. Um, but no, like lo, like I, I Loge is a guy where you know he could pull something like this off and uh you know just just to see him like you see him like in stuff like big and stuff and he's always not he's not always this over the top but to see him really go um was a lot of fun so i again in, in your 90s um i won't hit you for this one too hard uh anybody else seen lost highway i should have, see every day of lynch movie i have not yet unfortunately um i do like it i had a lot like i just need to like really get into lynch uh, i will watch this eventually 
So David Lynch is a director I feel like I would really like. I just haven't seen any of his movies. Just based on what I know about his films, they seem like movies I'd be really interested in. Uh, but I haven't seen this yet, so not going to hold it against you. Uh, okay. No, I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> what? Okay, so that's the end of the night. I have to name some winners. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we made it through unscathed, but I mean, nothing. That's that, so sugar <laughs> Nothing, nothing jumping off. Well, we'll get to you, Jake. I'm talking about everybody else right now. Uh, nothing really blew me out of the water. There's nothing. I mean, it's your 90, so. Um, I'm not looking for the greatest movies ever, but um, I think it's very close, very close. I think just averaging out quality of every scene by a hair in first place is Cody. Um, you had the snapping that we talk about it. Halloween was really strong. Top Gun Maverick was really strong. Um, you know, you got a couple other ones that were really good that were yikes. Um, Sunken Place is good. Uh, T2. Uh, close second. I'm going to go with Jack. Um, go. I think Jack had some really good picks. You know, he had Hacksaw Ridge, American in Paris. Uh, Patton was really strong. Uh, Matrix was really strong. So I think Jack's list is pretty good. Was, uh, was, yeah. So that's a strong start for Jack. Jack, did you did you finish as highest two at any point during performances? Oh, absolutely not. No, highest I got was the week you judged, and I got third. Well, there you go. So you, you're turning things around already. Uh, so Kirk bias, I see. Okay, fair. Uh, <laughs> A close third, again, top three were close, uh, is Scott. Um, you had some good stuff on it. I think you just had some stuff that fell a little flat for me. Uh, the Zodiac scene, uh, the Lost Highway scene. Um, so, some of these just weren't really that strong for me. Um, but again, like I said, nobody was really super strong this week. So the top, the top three are kind of bunched up. Uh, fourth place is Jake. Um, Jake, you had some highs there. You had Robocop. I like that one. Um, you know, we didn't get to talk about the bird rendition of Strong, but you gave me three hulks or two hulks in the Venom. And well, that's why it's in the 90s. Like, I'm getting it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, we, we got two hulks. Are, are there any other times we're going to get more than one hulk? Don't tell yeah, me it's your 90s. One more time. Don't that's tell me it's your 90s, Jake. Um, so. Um, great start to the show, everybody. Um, had a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for everybody for watching. Uh, thank you, Jack. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Cameron Holtzman. Uh, fill it in, in the background there. Uh, tune in next week for the 80s. Um, can I get better from here? We'll see you then. Intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Drunk and angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow! I hurt my arm. And not expect everybody. Everybody. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.